For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome to the exciting world of the movies. Hello, retro movie lovers, and welcome back to the Movie Graveyard. We have got a special treat for you tonight, because not only are we digging up a stone-cold classic movie celebrating its 35th anniversary this year, but we also have a brand new movie grave digger. I want to welcome, he's got a shovel in hand, he's got his gloves on, he's ready to help exhume the cinematic corpse with me. I am joined by the one, the only, Bat32 of Exploited Cinema and the founder of Sleazefiend Magazine, Bat. Thank you for finally coming down to the movie graveyard and helping us dig up these movies. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, well, you finally fucking invited me on your show. How long have you been doing this? <laughs> I, which, by the way, I guess we should we should acknowledge it. It was a couple of weeks ago, but we... Um, I'm really bad with just remembering to bring shit up on uh, episodes. But yeah, we just hit the seventh year. So you've been doing this for seven years, and mm-hmm. you finally invited me on now. I couldn't, I couldn't find you. I was looking all over for you. <laughs> I don't. I, I didn't I know where you were. Uh, I think you've been on the uh, resurrection of exploited cinema now. What, like eight Four times, times, six yeah, times? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I think we did three commentaries, maybe two. Yeah, but uh, yeah. And then we did a recent, well, it wasn't, but it just came out recently. Yeah. We did it, what, two months ago? Yeah. Um, huge Cronenberg retrospective for Strebo's uh, MVP, MVP radio. Yeah, yeah well, it was as, almost as long as the uh, last EC episode. That was yeah, the last which... EC we did was a nine-hour recording. I think Zach whittled it down to like seven and a half hours. With mm-hmm. Strebo, we did, I don't even know, seven hours, and I think he whittled it down yeah. to like six Six so, and a yeah. half. Yeah. So this podcast will not be that long. <laughs> Thankfully. Because other, other day, you weren't even familiar with the format. You're like, what? It's a commentary? Like, oh, it's going to be yeah. that long of a show? And I'm like, what do you mean that long like, of a show? I thought it would be 45 minutes. So I was yeah, like, ooh, let... we're doing a 45-minute show. Uh, uh, whatever it is, a 106-minute movie. That's, that's going to be like yeah. a breeze compared to our nine-hour shows that we used to do. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like a nap. Because even back in the, the old EC, the OG EC days, we, we used to roll three and a half hours every episode. Yeah. That was average. But that was like re- that was reasonable compared to yeah. like six and a half. That's two episodes of like and it what it takes to get get that, you know. That was back in the days when we were just inventing <laughs> podcasting. Now we have the process down cold. Commentaries are the way to go, man. It keeps yeah. it somehow. It's like let's just do a commentary because that'll keep it uh, within yeah. a boundary. Exactly. So, yeah. So we're gonna get this one rolling. We have No Man's Land from 1987, starring Charlie Sheen, DB Sweeney, directed by Peter Werner. So we have a paused. Um, depending on what you have, you might have the out of print Blu-ray. You might have just one of the. Uh, recordings that's always going around MGM HD, or you could have the old school uh, full frame DVD that I refused to buy for years and years. Or you could or have the, could he, or you could have a bootleg. <laughs> yeah, you could have that. You never know. <laughs> or you could have the the beautiful laser disc, which was one of the first laser discs mm. I ever bought. Bat, believe it or not, probably I think it was like the third I laser have... disc. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, I uh, I have a VHS of this, so and I, sure, I, nice. I I run across this VHS like. 
on a regular. So if you are wanting a copy, the next time I see one at the re uh, retail shop or a Goodwill, grab it. Because I've turned it down. I've like passed it up now three times. It's pretty common. Yeah. If if it's the OG one, maybe not if it's the it movie is. time version. Yeah, the movie time version. Fuck it, that. No, 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 no. It's it's always the OG one. I've never even wow. seen that. That's what I've got. I always see these. So it must have been a popular movie where there were a lot of VHSs made. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, we're gonna go ahead and get into it. I have it paused at the original opening logo that says Ono oh Ryan Pictures release. This is one of the beautiful films made by Ryan Pictures back in the day. If you have the Blu-ray, that's the 34-second mark. If you have the bootleg, that's probably like the five-second mark. <laughs> so get a queued up to an Orion Pictures release. I'm going to say one, two, three, go. And when I uh, say go, Bat, please hit play on your remote control, okay? All right. All right, one, two, three, go. And we were rolling. I feel like we're in Star Wars. Yeah. It's I love I always loved Orion when that when I saw that fucking those stars spinning I was like oh it's gonna be yeah. good every time I don't think I've seen an Orion Pictures film that I didn't like so. I agree and and speaking of like we're off with some style like the first shot of the movie is we don't realize it at first but it's a time lapse of Los Angeles going from day to night and this is an awesome title sequence where you see a cityscape and then it's in the reflection of a car window and you see a guy breaking out the car window and the title comes flying out at you no man's land and now uh, that i see this in hd i always because on the vhs and the first time i ever saw this was like a on tv mm -hmm. and it was a little bit into it already like i don't think it was only like 15 20 minutes when i first saw this in on a movie channel and i was like yeah what's this I've never seen that. I've never seen Charlie Sheen with uh, as a car thief, and then I never, I hadn't seen it in years until I bought that VHS, and I would just always remember liking uh, the film. I'm like, whoa, what's that fucking Charlie Sheen Porsche? I just remembered him being a Porsche thief, like distinctly. Yeah, and like we'll get into it, but it's almost blinky if you miss it. The car thief that we follow and taking the Porsche to the chop shop, he's actually an undercover cop. Yeah, and, I always and, thought it was Sheen because you didn't really first. see him very. Yeah, it was yeah. like uh, it kind of. He kind of looks like him in the reflection. So. It it does, and like uh, I'm with you, kind of seeing this in HD again. I saw it theatrically, but of course, I mean that was a billion years ago, and then I saw it. Oh really? Yeah. Holy shit! And I oh. and I saw it, um, you know, on cable a bunch, and then I didn't really see it. I want to say, for probably about 15 years until i tracked down that laser disc and then when i got that laser disc around i want to say it was around 2011 um that was the first time i'd seen it you know really in years and years and and then later i did catch it in hd on uh mgm hd showing but when uh kino came out with the blu-ray i jumped on it and i gotta say like you, you really do have to see this film in hd to really understand like how good stylistically and visually it is because it's, uh, it's pretty dark. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of night uh, shots in here. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, the VHS, is, it doesn't look terrible. I mean, it's not like one of those deals like, um, uh, what's that? Uh, um, what's it's, that film uh, by David Hess, the Christmas one, for the longest time. Oh, that, yeah, that To All Good Night, yeah. To All Good Night, yeah, that was one of the movies where it's like, yeah, oh, I can't see the ending in it. Nobody could really make it out until 
you know, the the DVD at least came out or Blu-ray. I don't know which one came out first, but I believe Christmas Evil was kind of like that too in terms of like there it, it looked radically different once it you know went from VHS to uh and I don't really know cuz you would think transferring to VHS you would think it would be the opposite bat you think the contrast would be weak and it would get more washed out I don't know why a lot of those film to VHS transfers I guess it was like whatever telescene they were using at the time to scan it in or transfer it that process darkened it down well, I always saw it on, I don't know, because I think there was a few different VHSs of uh, Christmas Evil, and I'd always seen it on that Brentwood yeah. uh, multi-pack, and it was wa- it was watchable. It wasn't like, I think when, uh, I think me and J-Dog covered it on EC to All Good Night, and like, we couldn't, we, I don't know if we did, I don't remember if we did a commentary or what, but I remember, like, we couldn't even make out the ending at all, like, couldn't <laughs> right. see what was going on, I'm like... How do you how do you put this on a fucking VHS and be like, yeah, we're gonna put this out? Like, yeah, I, w- I was lucky on to we'll get to No Man's Land in a second, but to All Good Night, I learned about it from EC and I never seen it. Um, and uh, it was on Blu-ray from a I can't remember. I think it was Kino Lorber, and I found out about it like right as it went out of print, and I literally hunted every single movie storefront on the internet at the time and i found literally the last copy that that walmart.com had and i got it just in time that, that, that was for two all good night yeah the david hess one why would yeah. you even want to see that fucking that movie sucked i think we got it across in the in the review that we thought it sucked like i did honestly i do saying i liked it and without all. Yeah, without going down another another rabbit hole because we need to start talking about No Man's Land because everything yeah. important starting to happen. But it was really a, your personal, and this is like not a joke, this is actually your personal interaction with David Hess kind of made me a David Hess fan and made me want to collect his film. I actually, the other day while I was working, I threw on um, Last House on the Left and listened to the commentary yeah. track with uh, Wes Craven and uh, Sean S. Cunningham and... Uh, you know, kind of half-ass watched the, the it. The Arrow listened. Blu-ray? No, it was it was oh. MGM and um. Oh, and you it, got the MGM one. Yeah, I got the MGM one. Um, and uh, you know, I I was uh I was on that five dollar train instead of the whatever Arrow video <laughs> price tag was. But uh, good little disc. They 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 did the MGM uh, Blu-ray uh, for Last House on the Left when they were producing the remake because there was like an interview. Mm-hmm separate with craven where he was talking about the remake rights and shit and um yeah so it, it it wasn't like super old it wasn't like they just poured it over some like old ass dvd extras like they it, everything was pretty much created i mean they did pour it over some old shit from the dvd but when they did the blu-ray it was like an effort to get like craven was completely involved with it and everything so it wasn't like the mgm is just bare bone shit you know compared to the arrow the mgm is a special edition in its own right so no, I got the DVD and it's got a bunch of extras, and then there's another one that I think is MGM that has the Giallo yeah. style yeah. cover, which <laughs> the has black some other. Gloves. Actually, no, no, that release is the, as far as I'm concerned, it seems to be definitive because it has that Roy Frumkus, uh, Wes Craven like film they tried to make or whatever. Here we got fucking um, Quay. We're we're in the bar. Yeah, we need to get to the movie. We're in yeah. the bar with the other uh, uh, DB Sweeney's a fucking cop here, and yeah, we've yeah. got Quaid walks in, and uh, I was I brought this up to you earlier about um, eighty six uh, Sheen the Sheen Machine and the Quaidmeister here. We're in uh, 
the Wraith together, and Quaid's fucking yeah. playing a cop in that movie too. But it's a car movie. I mean, people, you call it a sci-fi horror, or whatever. It's a car movie. Oh yeah, it's, it's a like car fucking picture. Fast and the Furious. It feels like Fast and the well. I think I feel like it was, Fast it and was sponsored it by a car company, the Wraith. Like the, the, yeah. yeah, the the Dodge uh, uh, Chrysler. The, it, Chrysler. It's a prototype. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a kit kit type car. Yeah. And uh actually that's in some museum on display. I can't I know, remember. It's I worth a lot of money no. too. Yeah, but it's in a museum so it doesn't matter. Uh, I think they've got a bunch of they probably won't ever get rid of it, but there's a bunch of other car movie car like movie cars in this museum. I think it's it might be in Ohio or something or something like that. Maybe New York. I don't somewhere out east coast, so Yeah. Because the it was I think I want to say it was called the Dodge Turbo Interceptor, but um, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't a real. It's not really a real car. No, it, it was it was a prototype, a and yeah. it was pretty much the only thing that was really truly prototypical about it was the body shape. The whole inside was fabricated for the you know, but yeah, well, they made it for the movie. Like the felt like the studio worked with the car company to design this car. Right. Apparently, I think. I thought I I saw this on like a movie channel or something, and um and uh they had a whole thing about it being in that museum and. But what's funny is it that. um I want to say Jay Leno did an episode of a show where he like test drove it or something, but or at least oh, went to oh. go see it or whatever. But um, because it's a pretty famous car, but it's funny because it looks like a spaceship, but you can clearly like they still put the Dodge logo on the front, and it's like, well, what's the point if it's a car that was never going to be made? Why would it have a Dodge logo on it? But yeah, so basically the beginning of this movie is we had that undercover cop. He ended up getting shot, you know, like yeah. after he left the police station. It was total mystery. We didn't see who shot him. And then we were introduced to D.B. Sweeney. His real name is Benji. And uh, we were kind of talking about whatever, David Hess, whatever. But there, did you notice back <laughs> that there was that great tracking shot? They did it. They did pretty much like a about an 80 second take of like introducing all his family members in a continuous shot. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like really good. Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like you see him, mean, he was working on an old portion. The uh... how do you know that was? A, how do you know that was a tracking? How do you know that wasn't handheld? And that that cinematographer is just a beast. Oh yeah, you know? that's what that's what I mean. It was whatever, steady cam, handheld. Yeah. But it was just tracking through the uh, the. Um... I really love that scene, and it's like a weird scene to talk about. But I I love that this the whole scene and the Thanksgiving dinner, like that whole scene is maybe two and a half minutes, but like you learn so much about the db sweeney character and uh it's important they introduce uh, george desunda very skinny george desunda as his uh, uncle mike which will come into play later on in the film but i just really like that because it's really uh, like the only really warm scene emotionally warm scene and what's otherwise a pretty you know kind of cold and slick movie yeah, we get uh, the great Bill Duke here. And, yeah. uh, I don't know. I recognize that fucking his like contact uh, Sweeney yeah. at the garage here. He, I've seen him in something, but I don't fuck. I don't know what it is. And you know what I was reading too. I don't want to give too much away. Maybe we're jumping ahead because I don't know where the fuck he is. But apparently, Brad Pitt's in this movie. Yes, he is. I will point him out. And, and he, <laughs> he almost has li- he has lines though. He no, he doesn't. And the, oh. He, oh. It said w- something about him fucking up. He must have had lines and they got cut. So this no the so, the so opposite. Rob he was writing it. his own lines on the set, and that's oh, what almost got him fired. He wanted to be a star, and they were like, "No, you ain't a star. You you he were was, in uh was 
Was this around cutting class time? This is before. This is two years before. Oh, okay. Um, right. he he actually we'll we'll get into it, but but he actually he needed a SAG card. He he this this is considered actually his film debut, which which I'm is not really it? yeah I'm not sure which was filmed, oh. but he's he's also a, a party extra in Less Than Zero. Although you can see him better in this film. But yeah, if if he could have got on camera and said a line, they would have had to pay for him to you know mm. kind of uh, what do you call it? To, uh, introduce him into the SAG union. Extra. Yeah, yeah, the screen, like because he was just working on an extras contract, and he was trying to work his lines in with the with the actors, and mm. um, you know, I mean, he was a waiter, so it wasn't like he was going to say anything like important anyway. But um, but but yeah, and they almost fired him. We'll get to it, and you you can see where he's lingering around. Like he lingers in a lot of in the back of a lot of shots, trying to get his lines in. But uh, yeah, purpose. yeah. So it's like basically, Randy Quaid is convinced that Charlie Sheen is the murderer of the cop who got shot. So mm. he puts uh, DB Sweeney, whose real name is Benji, actually, and like it's real easy to forget that because they don't do it. So they give him the fake name of Bill Isles, introduce him as a mechanic. And like you said, that contact guy who was in a lot of Michael Mann shit uh, at the time, I believe he was in the film Band of the Hand. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so he gets them introduced, and like immediately they're like, oh, like go up into the hills, and uh, you know, the shop owner, Ted, he's up, he's straining up to go up there, help him out with his car. And like, this is totally. Uh, Charlie Sheen was coming off a of platoon, which I believe was another Orion picture, and like they wanted to try and make him a star, so that's why they forced Charlie Sheen into this movie. And yeah, he totally. But you get... know what he ain't. But you know what he ain't coming off of right now? Cocaine, because he clearly. No. I'm pretty sure he's on cocaine during this. This. this he's very fresh face. Yeah, he's very fresh face. Yeah. No, the... I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a limb, and I might sound like I don't know. I haven't been drinking that much, by the way. I'm having a nice uh, screaming pumpkin ale. I don't know what you're drinking, sir. But uh, I'm drinking a fruit smoothie and water, actually. <laughs> It's Friday night. What are you soft? Um, but I wanted to. Go, I wanted to say. I think this is probably one of Charlie Sheen's greatest roles. I mean, oh, I agree. I, it's great, man. I love it. It's the first time he got to lean into a character that was really like himself. Because, like, yeah, the, the he was really great in Red Dawn and Platoon. But those yeah. characters are really not like his actual personality. This character is. Yeah, Platoon is kind of an oddball. I mean, he gives a great performance in it, but no, this is just... Yeah. This is the Sheen machine in full swing. Yeah, like, like to this point, without looking up his credits, he did Grizzly 2, which I believe was his very first movie, which never got released. Yeah, never got... Well, it did, but not around yeah, the time. Yeah, but not for it real. Gotten, yeah. 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 No. They, they reshot a bunch of shit 30 years later. By the way, I love how he flicked that cigarette over D.B. Sweeney's head and, like, the ash was yeah. like, going in D.B.'s eyes. I feel like uh, that was him like, oh, you want to drive my car, huh, cocksucker? Yeah. I <laughs> like, I don't know. It was a real cocksucker move. It really was. I, it was on purpose. I bet you it wasn't even in the script. Charlie's just like, yeah, so like some interesting research about it. By the way, they're bonsaiing around Mulholland, which is like yeah, you you kind of have to have actually driven it to know how actually hairy because it looks like they're kind of on some semi straight, semi curvy. Like I'm telling you, like. Like Didn't I hate straight I, at all. No, I hated driving around there going forty miles an hour. I can't remember. Oh, I, you, did, I, I, you didn't. You didn't boost it like this scene. You didn't try to recreate No Man's Land. No, no. Not <laughs> You're at like, all. no, I'd be no. dead. 
Well, it, it's, you know, for for where I lived and work, I like how they go around this Camaro. For where I lived and work, it wasn't a place, it wasn't a, a, a way to go that was really convenient. And the few times I did, I was kind of, you know, on an off day going from one side of town to the other and, sh- sh- you know, shooting through there that way. But, like, yeah, like, like there's really no reason to go up there because it's just houses. Like, there's really, it kind of connects, like, two sides of a hill. So you can use it to get to one side of the hill to the other, but it's like there's really not a whole lot of reason unless you live up up there to go up there and obviously to see you know what you've seen in movies before, which is cool. But like, yeah, it just kind of sucks like driving, honestly. So what I learned from this scene is how to pass a car that's almost right on top of you. You yeah. just drive with both feet. Yes. And that's how you're able. Well, I, well, obviously you do because it's a fucking. It's a, a it's manual. A, yeah, it's a stick. Yeah, it's a stick shift. So, but no, I mean him being able to use the brake and shit so quickly and everything. Like, I I completely get it now, and I don't know if I'm gonna attempt it anytime soon. But you could, you could. Yeah, I don't. We've got some. So we've got some shit like that, like some roads, but not quite. I wouldn't attempt. Wouldn't attempt that stuff on anything like that. I mean, you know. I wouldn't really dri- I wouldn't really drive like that either unless you like getting a new set of tires every six months. Right. That, that's that's yeah. like kind of like the false reality of these car movies. That they oh yeah, you want to have brand new tires on that thing. Yeah. Um, like you're gonna like they they probably just shooting that whole sequence bad. Like I bet they probably went through three sets of tires and all honesty. Well, you'd have to because there's no way the car's gonna stick to the road if there's if the tread's not yeah. like Perfect. primo. So yeah. yeah. So here we here we have the the kind of the snitch guy that helped him introduce. Uh, we find out that there's another gang of car threes besides Charlie Sheen's gang, and like pretty much it, they never really go into it too much. Like they kind of just show you like Charlie Sheen uh, stealing cars all the time, but really it's supposed to be kind of like a freelance thing. Like he owns a legit poor shop that does repairs, but he also owns a chop shop that pays people per car that and then they, they chop it up and basically like. Uh, from what I was getting from all the supplemental material was uh, the reason this was like a big thing. Like at the time, LA was the car theft capital of the world and Porsches in particular. And you can't really get away with this now because parts are tracked so easily in the computers and shit. But, um, well, it's but, harder to get. And I mean, they, they probably, this probably was, I, I bet this was all like real shit that they were doing. It was. And because Dick Wolf, uh, what is that? He did Law and Order and shit yeah, like that. He wrote this, all this crime stuff. He also yeah, worked on Miami Vice. Yeah, he was a showrunner yeah. by Miami Vice. He's real hip with this this crime stuff, so you know, uh, he it's accurate. You yeah. know, I always felt that there was accuracy to this. But uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, so so basically, the reason they're stealing the cars and chopping them up is back then. Um, the parts were actually worth more than like if you stole the whole car and I mean you were you know whatever you would try to sell a hot car for. Um, even if you like were to switch out the VIN number and all that shit, which you could do back then, and they do do it to a couple mo- cars in the in the movie, like the one he goes uh, DB Sweeney, they do like that. But for the most part, like pretty much the inspiration for this film and what they're doing in the film is. They're chopping it up, and then they're basically selling these slightly used parts, these parts that have been on these cars for like a year or two, and they're passing them off as new at the dealerships and repair mm-hmm. shops, and then also to anybody who's but had it. we a... find that out, uh, D.B. Sweeney says something about a water pump that already has like 1,500 miles yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what it was, but 
I'm just like, how do you know? Like, what do you? How can you tell how many miles? It doesn't, it's yeah, not the... like it's got a fucking. <laughs> it's not like it's got an odometer on it. Like, I know, I know. I, dude, like I just put a water pump on my car. The, you know how I knew it had too many miles on it because it was almost falling apart. Well, You're not right. just, but it was a couple months ago. And the fucking thing was about like the the wheel was about ready to come off. It was right. so worn out. I mean, you can definitely tell a, a used part from a new part for sure, right. but, but to, ask, me to even guesstimate the, the miles on it. But I think they were trying to show, like, D.B. Sweeney's, like, the car whisperer. Like, yeah. he's because they, well, we get that here. Well, we get that with the, um, when Bill Duke's like, this car they thinks it needs a tune up, and he's like, ah, this just needs to be adjusted. It'll take 15 minutes. But it sounded like he was like, but charge him for the tune-up. That's yeah. That's exactly what he yeah. was saying. He, he's like, "Oh, you yeah. fix this car in five minutes." But you, because he asked him, DB asked him, like, do you, "Do you charge by the book?" Meaning, like, you know, when you get quoted or repaired, there's yeah. a book that estimates how long it should take, mm-hmm. or do you charge oh, yeah. by actual hours worked? And of course, like cricket places will always charge you by the book because if the book says oh, three yeah. hours, well, most places. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even today, most places. Yeah charged by the book that's just the way it is okay this is where we have to be on the i think we already missed even the first appearance on but this is where our boy brad pitt is lurking and leaning all over okay. here so he you're he looks exactly like brad pitt does now but he has a mullet and he's okay he's in that background of that one scene you can see his mullet in the background okay i kind of i can't see his face very well though yeah. i saw his mullet though but the the continuity's off because he's like popping in and around the room if you notice so that was the first appearance I think he's out of frame right now he's got he's gonna show up again here making some drinks off to the side here in a second <laughs> you're like noted all the time oh there he is again yeah there he is he's walking by oh okay he's, yeah, yeah. He's, so that's his second appearance like all he of this looks one like a scene, total douchebag in this he, he was just walking through the uh the shots like non-fucking-stop you know what i mean because like i mean i i guess the producers or whatever figured probably like oh you wouldn't notice like you know the all the the whatever bartenders waiters whatever like dress the same maybe you'll think it's just like you know multiple guys walking through like but when, once you actually like in the year 2022 you're keen to the idea that it's brad pitt like he just sticks out like a sore thumb right well because he's he wasn't famous then yeah. but he is now he's there he is again you can see him good than, there see him in the background yeah. oh two oh, drinks yeah, yeah. down on the table two, two drinks, drinks. Yeah. yeah there he is he's young as fuck there yeah so I, i'll point out the scene coming up that almost got him fired where he was trying to work his bullshit <laughs> lines in but um, this is uh his mullet is so fucking it's so good he moved from missouri <laughs> with that mullet this lady's hot though that that owns the club or whatever oh, yeah with her tits oh, oh yeah. yeah you can see yeah. like side tits yeah. anyway oh there he is you can really see oh yeah him. okay this is the see him order. talking see him trying to get those orders in he's pointing he does a thing too i think we just missed it but he does a thing too where he touches his mouth and then he points to the person which is a thing he still does to this day a weird manners uh. he still does today so that was it right there that and the assistant director came running over and said if you say one more thing like you're fired yeah you're fired you're out of here yeah well you know we talked about this some time ago that only fucking mullets only look good if it's red hair yeah <laughs> it's got you gotta be a fucking redheaded stepchild you gotta be what's the what's the dude's name courtney Gaines, the malachi yeah yeah or uh old boy from salute your shorts he was in terminator oh, 2 yeah. danny uh, hicksy or whatever his name yeah, is. yeah 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 
basically he has the greatest like his mullet just it looks cool because it's like that yeah. flaming red cheeto mm-hmm. <laughs> imagine if you had a flaming red mullet and like the end of the mullet tips you dipped them in bleach so like the last two <laughs> inches of your mullet went from like fire <laughs> red to, to pure white Plat- so yeah no, platinum yeah platinum <laughs> So the the guy with the mustache, he he showed up earlier, uh, sweating the uh, the one guy who worked at the shop, and now he was just kind of briefly talking to Charlie Sheen. That guy is uh, the the real the actor's name is R. D. Call, I think, but I I, I blank in on his name in the movie. But like he's like he runs like the competing ring of uh, of car thieves, and like basically they have territories of like okay like it's known charlie sheen and his guys will work this side of town but we work this side of town and like basically what the conflict that's going to happen throughout the movie is charlie's getting greedy he just wants to steal cars from everywhere i, so th- I just noticed archie's in this the, yeah uh, they when they're like walking the mall yeah there's some kind of cookie but, but they're, they're in like shop. a weird downtown like dirt mall or something this so is this like, doesn't exist anymore we were talking no. about locations yeah. and uh this mall does. Do you think this is the same mall from um, the well, later this, scene? This is this isn't even really the no. This isn't even a real shopping mall. This is like off oh, okay. the streets of like Hollywood Boulevard or possibly even farther downtown. Like actually downtown. This is just like like you see these like Emilio is at the first arcade he goes to in Nightmares. He's in one like that where it's like I don't know what you call them. They're not really malls. They're like you just walking off the street and it'll be basically like a long alleyway of like it's kind of like a swap yeah yeah okay yeah here's yeah. the thing where here, here we where benji's like oh yeah this punk has 14 i love charlie sheen he just looks at the box oh these guys they're always playing pranks and he throws the box away <laughs> <laughs> just put it on the car and quit asking questions exactly and like I love it here that he's he's like oh you know I need a new car thief you want to make some money Bill but it's kind of slick how Charlie Sheen seduces uh, DB Sweeney into the lifestyle of a car thief he do, like he he actually doesn't really even though he's calling him out you know on like the stolen car parts right here Charlie Sheen's kind of going like oh you know whatever whatever happens it in ain't the a shop. big deal yeah, yeah, yeah like who cares I mean you gotta understand too that this is like the greed is good eighties like everybody was probably pulling scams back then you know what yeah. I mean? So, like, the way he kind of, like, gets him into stealing cars is he tells him, we're going to do a repossession. It, it, was, it was one of our shop cars, and somebody took it and didn't return it, you know. And, like, he tells him, like, hey, I got the keys. So, like, you know, like, I think really D.B. Sweeney's not really thinking too much of it. He's just using it as an excuse to hang out with Charlie Sheen and get some more intel on Sheen. But uh, it's really slick where he's like, yeah, I got the keys, man. Because like, like, if you have the keys to a car, like, are you really stealing it? Like, That's kind of the logic. But then what's fucking awesome right here, Bat, is when he pulls out the, the ring of keys that has like 50 keys on it. <laughs> well, I th- a DV Sweeney knows what's going on. Yeah. yeah. But, it, but it's like, you know, he's he, it's like this movie is like baby steps into this world. You know what I mean? And like, we'll get to it as, as the movie progresses and everything. But, um, but like he really, it's not one of those movies, like you see it in a lot of undercut. This is very subtle as an undercover cop movie. Like a lot of undercover cop movies have the guy waking up one day, doing a bunch of drugs, like splashing water in his face going, who am I? You know what I mean? Whereas this this is just kind of like very baby steps of breaking the law. And he's like, okay, like, you know, and the whole time he's telling, he's telling, uh, 
D.B. Sweeney's telling Randy Quaid, like, I don't think Charlie Sheen's the murderer. Like, he's pretty much covering for him the entire film, you know? He's like, oh, yo, Ted's a good guy. He wouldn't kill anybody. Oh. Yeah, oh. Um. well, and also we get that scene when they're at that club, restaurant, whatever, yeah. earlier with Brad Pitt stalking around. Um, yeah. Where he makes, like, there's actually multiple comments where, like, uh, we 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 understand that Sheen's character is like uh, against drugs and shit like that, which is like yeah. ironic because he's clearly coked up. Not his character. I mean, but the, I'm pretty sure. But he, no, but bad. I think, I think you're kind of doing the man a disservice. He's coked up, but he's a guy who, who, who he's, he's keeping it on the down low in this movie. Right. Okay. Well, this would have been perfect if he was like snorting lines too. And so, oh, yeah. like, ah, so after school special it's okay to steal porsches but it's not okay to do cocaine like but i think he's more making fun of the people because he see he sees how bad the people are fucking up and kind of like screwing up all whatever their businesses and shit like like i think the one thing that's interesting about charlie sheen is the way it's kind of alluded to is charlie sheen's a, a criminal but he doesn't have all this money because he's a criminal he's actually a rich kid who went into the criminal life out of laziness which is pretty yeah. much Charlie's real story. I don't know if you know this about Charlie Sheen, but but um, <laughs> he was he was kind of rabble rouser in high school, as you you know you know got his girlfriend pregnant, did whatever. So this was like back in the days of like credit card shit always being paper slips. So like literally in high school, um, him and his buddies they went dumpster diving behind like a Macy's or something, some department store, and they got all the paperwork and the credit card numbers, and they started ordering shit up the phone with people's credit card numbers. That was his first uh, brush with the law. And I mean, clearly Charlie Sheen didn't like need the money in real life because I mean his dad was Martin Sheen and everything. But like anything that was easy money, he would go for. And I feel like that's what the character Ted is in this movie. And yeah. I think that's why Sheen kind of slipped into it. It's like, I think Sheen looked at the script and was like, shit, this could have been me, you this know, is, in real life. This is me. Yeah. I, I bet too, the reason he was doing stuff like that was probably cause dad wouldn't just fucking buy him whatever he oh, yeah. fucking asked for either. So he like wanted a bunch yeah. of, he had to have a reason. Cause like, I don't know. There was a time Mark, where, Mark where, where it seems like a type of guy. It's like, Ugh. I yeah. worked hard for this. I almost died on the set of Apocalypse Now to get this money. <laughs> like... I, I always thought this was this was bullshit. This guy told me this stuff when I was a kid. I always thought it was bullshit till like later on in the internet age, and I looked it up and saw it was true. I don't know why, but for some time the Sheen the Sheens in the seventies were um, they lived in Cincinnati, and this guy that owned this video store I went to, he actually played with them a lot when they're like they were five, six, seven years old, and like. Charlie Sheen still is like a big sense. He's a big baseball fan, but he's a big Cincinnati Reds fan still. Hmm. But um, but yeah, like and like he he would tell me that like they were very much a normal family. Like like yeah. you would never know in a million years like the way uh, Martin and his mom, um, you know like like acting or whatever was kind of a family business. But when they were kids, like they were like very much Martin Sheen was because uh, I think Martin Sheen kind of like came from nothing. Like I know yeah. he changed his name oh, yeah. and tried to cover up, you know, his Hispanic heritage to get roles and stuff. And like like I I think he really tried to instill his kids. I mean, really all his, you know, their sister Renee, who uh who was in acting too. She was in the mm -hmm. film Intruder. Um, mm -hmm. but like and pretty, she was in um she was in something else wasn't she um, i think so oh she was in uh sleepaway camp too also okay yeah 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 you're yeah. right she, she kind of looked like jennifer aniston back then it was weird 
but like yeah like martin sheen really tried to instill like a sense of value and hard work and like as fucked up as like charlie is or i should say not is but you know throughout his life like the the guy has like a lot of qualities if you watch old especially his like earliest interviews like he's a very like sensitive in tune very down-to-earth guy very intelligent i just think he's somebody who is parties you know is partying because according to db sweeney on the interview like he was pretty much like getting hookers even when they were filming this movie so really yeah I wish I uh, wish I'd listened to that. That would have been great. I know you yeah. said something about well, you were gonna check out the commentary. Yeah, the commentary was good. It was just a couple of film historians, which I mean, they, they, it was. I actually like those commentaries now. I used to not, but like a lot of the foreign releases, like the UK import releases, I have are just various horror movies. They can't get anybody to do commentary, so they get like journalists and shit. And I kind of like those now. But yeah, they did do about a fifteen-minute interview with the director and the separate one, DB Sweeney, and DB like kind of like let it all out, you know, like not in a scandalous way. He talked really good about Charlie, but like yeah. he said, yeah, they were in a bar and uh, like like uh, they were talking to girls and stuff. And uh, Charlie Sheen was like, "What are you wasting your time for, man? Like, well, I'll just call some girls and get them over." And like DB Sweeney's <laughs> like. Like, why? And he's like, and pretty much Charlie Sheen was telling them, it's like, because they'll leave when you're done. Like, you know, Charlie Sheen just, he just wasn't about that shit. But I guess because we, we never talked about our character, Charlie's, or, or should I say, yeah, Charlie, but Ted's c- character, he has a sister who, this this chick always, she was a model who got into acting. This is one of her few acting roles. She's but, got um, face. Are you eating like candy or like what's going on? But I'm 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 cutting some cheese, buddy. Okay, cutting I'm, some I'm cheese. I'm getting me some couple couple slices of cheese. I was trying to be quiet. Okay, but, no, uh, that's okay. It, I'm just like I'm hearing it sounded like Skittle bags. I'm like, oh, Skittle, Skittle. <laughs> no, it's like a bag. And I'm getting another beer too. Okay, my yeah, beer's my down. And now I'm having some uh, Imperial Haze. Uh, yeah, IPA. Because so. I'm going old school. I'm I'm locked to a desk, so I can't even get up stairs to get to where my pizza is at but um but but you're going mobile you're taking trips yeah you're taking trips to the um the the kitchen everything at some point i'll have to go out for a cigarette too but i've i thought you were going with it so i was like that's the perfect opportunity to go cut some slices (laughs) of cheese see but um but yeah so they introduced the love interest for db sweeney which is actually charlie sheen's sister in in the film um ted his sister Anne, and like she's pretty much like a really like harvard uh i forget it's not harvard i think maybe it's yale either way it's like an ivy league yeah it's like an ivy league school that she's kind of home for the holidays from i guess we should what i wanted to say was like the movie starts at thanksgiving and the last, you know, without going into spoilers, I mean, not that spoilers matter on a commentary, yeah. but, but, yeah. but the, the end scene of the film takes place the day after Christmas. So that's another thing, too, is like before Shane Black was like rolling up into a ball to jerk off onto his own face bad about Christmas action movies, like this movie was one of the first ones I ever seen do it. Like I know Lethal Weapon came out the same year, which was a Christmas timed or themed action movie, but this was like one of the, the few but I like, want to well, say Lethal Weapon probably did better than this movie box office wise. Oh so. he, yeah, this was actually a flop, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Which which really I saw that. because the tagline "I only steal Porsches" was pretty popular at the time, even though the movie wasn't. It was weird, but um, I think that was probably the most memorable thing in pop culture from this movie at the time. But um, but yeah, like I want to say this this uh, 
this cost uh, around like eight million, only made about three. But um, it's kind of interesting too because DB Sweeney, this was only his second movie. Um, I guess we should go into the backstory. Originally, there was going to be a different director, and uh, mm-hmm. he was clashing with the producers. So at the last minute, they got uh, Pete, Peter Werner, who like I'm I'm glad everything shook out the way it did. But DB Sweeney and the the girl who plays Anne, uh, Charlie Sheen's sister, they were they were like already cast, and then at the last kind of moment, they brought in Charlie Sheen to play Ted. And uh, because they did that, because Orion wanted to push Charlie because they felt like his star was on the rise, you know, um, D.B. Sweeney originally contractually had um, first billing and, uh, you know, credits and billing is like a big deal. So they were like, oh, Charlie's coming. Would you mind being second billed? And D.B. Sweeney was like a cool guy. So he's like, yeah, I don't care, whatever. But his agent was like, are you serious? Like, don't be a dummy. He's like, "I'll, I'll get you something, you know, for them changing the credits around like this. And he's like, he's like, okay, like ask him to get me a rental car for like while we're filming. He's like, no, idiot, like I want to get you something good. So DB Sweeney was contracted to star in this movie for fifty thousand dollars. Like, just that's just to tell you, like, there's like a lot of people that even starred in movies back then that you never hear of now. It's like, yeah, they might have starred in movies, but they never really made real money. So like, his agent negotiated to his salary to go from uh, fifty thousand all the way up to one hundred twenty-five thousand just from going to be in second build so i wanted to i wanted to mention we got a dude from uh yeah. summer school here yeah. listening to some fucking speed metal. yeah the summer speed. school has the great toby yep. huper chainsaw massacre fans mm-hmm. chainsaw and dave this is dave from summer school yeah and he pretty much was the same character yeah like even the wardrobe right isn't the wardrobe mm-hmm. even the same yeah it looks like he walked from one set to another literally I'm trying to think. No, yeah, I think that was a different studio. I was gonna say maybe it was the same studio. Maybe he just went over. But um, yeah. So he he basically you got is, that Blu-ray by the way. Who put that out? It got came out. Shout select. Long ago. I Shout. I, I yeah. got it like two weeks ago. Believe it or oh, not. Oh, did you? I yeah. you know when I saw this, I was watching this again. I was like, man, I need I I need to get the summer school Blu-ray. I need to just. I need, what am I waiting on? I mean, on that yeah, like I think I got it on sale for maybe fourteen or fifteen, but I have the OG Paramount DVD, and it's actually not bad looking for a DVD. It's so really I have that DVD. Yeah, no. it's it's really not bad looking for a DVD. I gotta say, but um, yeah. So so basically, Dave here, um, Malcolm, which is Bill Deuce's character who runs the poor shop, he says like, oh, like I have a guy drive you over to the thing, you know boost boost the car for us tonight and like he does but like he kind of bumbles the breaking into the car and what which by the way bad i gotta mention a bit of trivia in the uk they they cut all these scenes out of how they actually break into the cars which makes sense i guess yeah like by the time it got to dvd or whatever they put it back in but in the uk uh, for in the theaters and on vhs they they didn't show these scenes of them how they actually did it i guess because they were afraid it was going to spread you know car theft or whatever but yeah like they bungle the thing and like the dude dave just gets scared and like runs off so he basically leaves him there db sweeney was going to end up getting busted and like i don't think it's him but check him out when the security guards run up here in a second bat uh yeah like the bald-headed black dude he kind of looks like the gang member guy from uh friday part three but i don't think it's him because i think i think it's too short to be that guy but I he, thought he kind of looked like Scatman Carruthers. <laughs> he kind of looks like him too. 
So anyway, I always thought about because I love this movie, and um, since I got that VHS, of course, I had watched it like a ton of times, and um, now we're revisiting it here because you were like, "Oh, let's do this." I'm like, "Shit, I haven't seen this in a while." But um, I always wondered why people liked Porsches and like uh, why they make this whole movie about them stealing Porsches. And yeah. I was like, um, then I was cleaning this house uh, during the summer, and he had like a brand new Porsche 911. In, yeah. in the garage and i was like oh yeah i don't know, I don't know. like there it looks dangerous like if you get into an accident because i was like looking in the back i'm like Man, there's no room in the back seat for yeah. passengers really but yeah man the, it hits top speeds of 182 miles per hour so like i get why people like this car it's fast I, yeah, like like I'm not re- like I was telling you the other day I'm not really a car guy I just kind of yeah. really only like Porsches um and it's because of this movie and uh it just I don't know there's just something about them especially from that time period I've actually looked at a couple I I almost pulled the trigger a couple times uh on an on a 911 Carrera no no uh oh. just the like old shit like 924s i'll probably get like a 924 but like well, they had a, i mean there were they stole a career 911 carrera here i mean they were making them back then too they yeah. just have a little they're not really they haven't really like changed much i don't i mean little slightly but um they're pretty much even the modern ones are they not much different looking. they pretty much only steal 911s i think in this movie but yeah like, which i would love to have 911 don't get me wrong but like i think it's the 924 the one that has the pop-up headlights like it looks like really different i that's and it kind of has like the oh the bubbly the that's, rear uh, end. Ted's, that's ted's doesn't that have the pop-up the silver one that they're driving around in and i think I it does but i think that might still be like a 911 back, but i thought but if but if you look at um the hidden that movie with Kyle McLaughlin he drives one Tony Mon- the one Tony Montana had in Scarface also they have a black one in Weird Science um, uh, uh not a nine eleven you say yeah a I want to say they're nine two fours I should have looked it up but um the nine fourteen only goes uh hundred eighteen miles per hour that's probably why it's a lot cheaper if you're looking at something like that but i don't know the 914 i don't know if they that that does not look like yeah, a make the, in this movie the, but it does the 924 have those, is what i want yeah the 914 does have pop-up lights as well but i don't think that these ones look older that i'm seeing online yeah so 924 around like around 83 to i think 86 they got had a certain look i really liked they really don't even look like that sporty, but I like them. But I mean, I would love. I actually looked at some nine eleven boxsters, some basic boxsters that like had like a lot of miles on them before COVID drove up the price. Like, and then and there were some that were available for like twelve grand that had like salvage titles and shit. Like, you can't really use, you can't really drive those as a daily driver, and you got to put money into them every year. But like, yeah, like I, I don't know. But they kind of dried up now. Like I think with cars getting scarce over the pandemic, like I don't really look when I look online, I can't really find them anymore. There's there's always or people just don't want to sell, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Like basically, from what I understand from reading around the Porsche stuff, is basically everybody wants one, so they get one, and you know, and everybody buys like a used one because you can afford it. And um, I mean, like the new ones, they're all like a hundred grand or more. Um, 
and pretty much everybody keeps them for about six or seven years and just the the novelty wears off and all the maintenance you got to keep up on them and stuff the novelty wears yeah and and then so like there's a lot that like there's a lot of porsches that really haven't been crashed or they have very minor body damage but they've had six or seven owners just because everybody like there's always the original owner who like was the guy who had the money and he um you know put like fifty thousand miles on it within like five years and then after that like everybody else gets it and babies it and drives it like two thousand miles a year you know what i'm talking about like yeah and then it just keeps but we got to get back to the movie here so charlie sheen comes well, we in weren't off, we weren't too off topic i mean no, we're, staying, we weren't. we're staying within the realm of the film i think yeah we weren't know? going into david hess territory but, yeah, um, at the beginning. So, like, yeah, so so uh, Benji got arrested, uh, Bill Ayers, D.B. Sweeney, and, of course, the Randy Quaid just bailed him out or whatever, but he had to make up a story that, like, oh, I actually got away. But, like, another thing that happened when the security guards were detaining him, they just, like, handcuffed him with a car, and, like, one of the competitor thieves came up and sliced his hand open with a box cutter yeah. and said, hey, you shouldn't be stealing cars here, and punched him in the gut and shit. So, like, they're, they're ramping up the rivalry between the... the the, the Porsche thieves and then uh, basically he got some sympathy um, vagina from Charlie Sheen's mm-hmm. sister and then Charlie Sheen popped over in the morning saw them all you know and he, I, I like the joke that uh, that hey my robe looks better on you than it does me because he's wearing Charlie Sheen's robe but there was a great scene like again and like the dudes who did the commentary pointing out to how good Charlie was back then I mean Charlie's probably good now if you gave him a good script but um there, that scene where he's sitting there and he's taking it in, he realizes that, that, that you know, D.B. Sweeney's there and he's banged his sister and that's happening. He, there's that shot where he's at the table bat and he's like, he's like, yeah, I like, like, they're kind of like, they're nervous. Like, oh, how is Charlie going to react to this? But he's like, yeah, I like this. This is uh, domestic. Hey, we should have a party here for Christmas. Like, I thought that was just a great moment just from his character. Like, it, it, his character, it's like, he's not like an open book but there's little character moments throughout this because this is really more like a drama a lot of people call it an action film or a car film but it's really not it's really a drama with little bits of action kind of spread throughout it but i like charlie's character because you can kind of see that like there's a lot of them he's not just like an edge lord he's not just a guy who just does dangerous shit and like is living on the, the like like he's having a good time living this lifestyle and being a criminal who gets away with it but at the same time like he enjoys normal human things you know what i mean he's not like a cartoon character well he is a rich guy too so yeah. like that's another thing we've talked you talked about earlier like he's, he's his character is like this rich guy who doesn't really need the money but he's there's some kind yeah. of thrill obviously it's just like anybody like i know people that have got money that go to the store just like they'll shoplift even though they can mm. buy it you know because they yeah. like the uh the the thrill of it and everything and like i don't know the risk and it's fun and i never really nah, that's... other things but like not so much stealing stuff or anything yeah. like that you know yeah like it's just, it's uh i would think too stealing shit for the thrill of it's something that's you know it's it's gonna bite you in the ass eventually right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's good. Well, I don't know now. They've changed a lot of the laws, especially in California. You can just walk out of a store, and they're not even allowed to ask you to listen. <laughs> but that's that's a whole different topic. But yeah, this scene here when they came out of the store, you know, he's seducing uh, 
D.B. Sweeney's character even more, buying him nice clothes. Like, hey, like I want you to dress nice. He goes out, buys him a flashy wardrobe. and But that was the setup, so he could use that to... So yeah. it didn't look as suspicious when they stole the car during the day. But I just love how they're breaking the fucking uh, the locking mechanism, the yeah. steering wheel. And he's got the uh, the the ignition that he fucking pulled, carrying the bag and shit. But yeah, it, it became clear that at first you were like, oh, these guys are bonding. But it was all just a front so that he could have the, uh, the ignition in there and the fucking little lock. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know the stick down the window and stuff in the bag and it was just a front yeah and like that scene where they walk out of the store and DB's like oh what about this I think it's a Ferrari and Sheen goes Italian trash I only yeah. steal Porsches that was probably the most famous dialogue for sure I remember so when I we... to... go ahead no I was just gonna say I remember when we walked out of the theater it was like uh Good old Erlanger, Kentucky, Showcase Cinemas. Um, it was like this like 12-screen theater that had a parking lot. I'm not shitting you, Bat. Like you, it could have been the parking for a baseball stadium. It was probably like 4,000 spots. It was huge. Like We were walking uh, to the car, and like uh, we hit this like weird GMC station wagon or some shit. And I remember uh, we always called it the Dragon Wagon. And we were getting in the car. My dad looked at me and said, I only steal Dragon Wagons. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you saw, how old were you? This came out in 87. Yes, yeah, so, so my birthday's like in around, June, uh, so yeah, it was yeah. 10, yeah. And you know, you get that great, look, uh, you know, this is really Christmassy too, because you get had like yeah. a Santa Claus there smoking a cigarette and shit. No, this <laughs> yeah, is no. the mall from uh, Nightmares, right? Is this the one? No, this is, this is a different one. This is the <laughs> Westfield Pavilion. The one from Nightmares is the one that's like all red brick. With this, have you been to this? Have you been to this one? I haven't been to this one. I don't even know if it's still there. To be honest with you, I'm not sure. But the way this mall looks now is actually like that color scheme. That's actually how the Nightmares Mall looks now. It's mm. weird. Cool. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think that says a lot about why I love this movie. Is uh, I saw it when I was ten, and like uh, when I moved to LA. Uh, I guess I should say too, like Charlie Sheen was a big influence on me in my early twenties when I was taking acting classes and shit. Like, I kind of even resembled him a little bit when I was young and thin and had the spike haircut and all that. So like, I I stole a lot of his mannerisms and line deliveries and shit when I was doing scenes and acting classes and stuff. But um, but he just he was he was my favorite for. I love you can see it's Sheen's double. He's not even in the car there. But um, <laughs> it's DB Sweeney, but it's not Sheen. And, yeah. yeah, I gotta go to the bathroom and stir some lines of coke off the sucker's ass. So uh, exactly, so I'm gonna be there. Which he yeah. did get injured making this movie, and we'll we'll talk about that uh, that scene when we get there. Uh, yeah, I think I think I, it's I actually just... in this scene. Um, oh, is it? Yeah, no, it, is it? Oh, it is I think yeah, scene. it is yeah. this scene where he got injured. But no, but I was just saying, like, I was a big Sheen head, and, like, when I moved to L.A., um, I went, and this was, like, 2004, um, maybe two, early 2005. I wanted to decorate my room with movie posters, so I bought a bunch. Of, like, this is back when you could get movie posters for cheap off eBay. Mm -hmm. um, I got uh, a Van Damme Cyborg one sheet. I got a Jim Carrey Once Bitten one sheet. 
and I got a uh, No Man's Land one sheet. And this this is probably wow. actually my favorite one sheet that, of all you're time. You're that hardcore? Oh, yeah. Uh, the one where it's, it kind of looks like a drawing. It must it's be like a, a montage. Yeah, and it's a huge, huge. It's, it's yeah. almost like a standee of Sheen from the waist up. And then yep. on to the side, it has the smaller photos. It's kind of got a uh, Miami Vice look. Too, it does. Like when, you see, it, but... when you see it in person, Bat, it pops so much in person. Like pictures don't even do it just <laughs> because the no, border is kind of like. Look, you really should, on eBay I looked, right I looked on eBay. You can still see. get one for about twenty shipped, I believe. Well, that's about average, I'd say. Yeah. I think I probably paid ten, you know, whatever, fifteen years ago. I'll, I'll get it for ten. You watch me. <laughs> oh, I believe. It. Okay, so these shot for the deals. Yeah, these. Sh- okay, watch when Sheen runs up against the shot here, where he sh- he's standing against the pillar and the squid that's is blown where it exploded. Up. Yeah, because yeah. they they waited too long. They supposedly they shifted the the shooting schedule around, and the squib hardened too much, so that when it blew out, it wasn't like soft putty anymore. It was like hard, and like shrapnel. Yeah, like it nicked his thing. It nicked his neck. Supposedly not that bad, but also, like you always see that it just cut him. But I also read one other place that he actually was deaf in one of his ears for like uh, three or yeah. four weeks after that. I think it was four weeks. Yeah. So they kind of shut down shooting oh. for a while and were shooting pretty much everything that they could this without Blu-ray charging. This goes for a lot. Holy it shit, It does, dude. dude. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Kino didn't have it in print for very long. I mean, I snapped it up. I, I, think, I think I pre-ordered it. Let me see it, if but... this... Yeah, this is the Kino. Look, this fucker's going for like 90 bucks. See, yeah. I sealed on, I... on eBay right now. No, this isn't even... No, this is like, this is like new, it says... That's not even sealed. I have to. I have to say, like, like if I didn't have a copy, I would probably go forty bucks used. Yeah, on, on a it's, used copy. Dude, it's aver- a sealed copy is about seventy five dollars. Yeah. This is, yeah, dude. No, but I can get, I can get the movie poster. Listen to this. So, yeah, tell me how much the poster. Yeah, sixteen dollars ship, eight dollars and eight dollars shipping, dude. Right now, very fine. This fucker. And Dude. it is an original folded. I, oh exactly. my god! So I told you I'd get it for cheap. I told you. You told me, and I believe you. You're gonna love it, dude. If if you end up getting it, like especially when you I, put it up. I probably. This looks pretty. This looks nice, and I love that. Yeah. So yeah, this has probably got to be. So it sounds like this is your favorite Charlie Sheen movie. I mean, this and the Wraith yeah. are probably yeah. my favorites. I like. Um, I do like. Uh, rated x oh i love rated x you know, the, the uh, other one that i was Blu-ray yet, a... no i think it's stuck yeah. on like a non-anamorphic dvd if that mm-hmm. i think i think and i would that's try and that's out of print too oh yeah because i was looking for it not too long ago and i couldn't find yeah. one but i've um... got a shitty rip of it because i could never find that that dvd ever and i think i had a recording off of showtime okay back in the day for like the longest time so but i want i want to shout out the kino blu-ray of this um it looks really good like it looks yeah. it looks really it, lo- it looks really good but it looks very film-like and accurate it's got good detail 
Um, the only time there's really like excessive grain is like during like a couple of like the nighttime shots and it's very brief. So like whenever they scan this in, I'm sure it was probably only a 2K scan at the time, but they used the good scanner. You know what I mean? It wasn't like some of those early ones that like look like shit when they scanned it in. Like it, it really like this looks like like if Arrow put this out and restored it and put it out on Blu-ray, like it would look the same. You know what I mean? This poster has a make offer. I should I should lowball this guy for five bucks for the domain. <laughs> lowball him and then and, yeah. It, well, because the well, thing hey, is, regardless, I could still buy it even if he like doesn't oh, yeah. answer or like sometimes they'll be like, I'll give you a dollar off, and it's like, okay, yeah. well, I'll still I'll still grab it for seven bucks. No, this thing is pristine. It doesn't even have any tack holes or exactly. I don't I don't you know I don't know if it was not hung. I mean, I run across these posters, retro ones. And sometimes they're like, I don't know, for whatever reason, they never even hung the poster. Like, was that common back then that they would just, I, I imagine it probably wasn't in theaters very long because it did. Yeah, really it was only out for a couple of weeks. But um, I think, you know what, I, you know what I think it don't have holes in it, shit, Bat, is I think the way a lot of the displays did was they would open them up. Like, I remember some of the theaters like around me, like, it was basically like they would just press it in with the glass. Oh, it'd yeah, be like, it'd be like a latch so like there'd be no reason to put holes in it you know what i'm saying yeah because um the only ones that you really see that have the pinholes in them are the ones that are like the really shitty b movies that played like the the terrible theaters where they did like <laughs> just tack them up on a wall or something they you know what i'm saying any nice cases yeah yeah, yeah. but if yeah, it was man, a theater with a, glass uh, case there's like a behind the scenes yeah but um, I guess we I guess we should talk about this is like actually the main action scene of the film here, and this is um, I keep blanking on the guy's name, the guy that R D Call plays, but uh, they basically this is retaliation for um, you know, going in on the um, I mean, what's with IMDb and expired expired? It's like I'm just trying to look at the. <laughs> Frank Martin, that's the guy. That's the guy that's which I think Frank Martin is the name of the transporter. But like, yeah, it's a pretty top notch like car chase. Like they go through all these different parts of LA and it's like the only time where they really cheat the locations because they're going from like Beverly Hills to like City of Industry and shit, but it all works. And they end up in this like burnout factory. And the it's uh, a lot of people say it's ridiculous because uh, the car that the competitors are in, they're like, you know, like a Z twenty eight Camaro and they're saying, Oh, that would never keep up with that porsche which like i get it but i, I mean come on it's yeah. a movie well, but also also to too they're in traffic though yeah. yeah so they can't really like you know <laughs> they can't let it out completely but uh i like that scene too where they were parked hiding in like the burnout factory and just out of nowhere like it's like a quiet moment it's really tense like they're waiting for the guy to drive by to see if he knows them and Charlie Sheen starts chewing a, a stick of gum. He's like, oh, I met this girl. She's so beautiful. She's got the best tits or whatever. <laughs> so they also have this uh, French poster on here. They want a lot more for it. It's I got saw that red one. Porsche yeah. That, yeah. that they were trying to. It says 260 Chrono. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck that? Is that like what uh, No Man's Land means in French? I don't know, but. We'll, we'll it's do... got, yeah, the red Porsche that they they try to. It seems like the same Porsche that uh, DB Sweeney tried to steal 
right? Isn't it? Yeah, the, the, the red icon? one. Well, I, I, I can't... trying to steal what he got handcuffed. No, that was the silver. I think that was the silver one he was trying to steal. Okay, Charlie Sheen was no, trying to steal the red one when when the guy shot at yeah. him. Yeah. You know why I thought it was the same? Because it's the same shot of the security system, though. Right, right. <laughs> it's the same fucking because it's the same security system. It it might be the same car though, because like um, DB was talking on his interview. The thing about the cars in the movie was um, it was a real mix match of cars uh, because some cars they had didn't look very good but they ran good but he said some of them looked really good but like you know they ran like shit and you couldn't do much they with them fast yeah. yeah and like they were just breaking down and stuff so like well didn't he have a red porsche didn't he get given the red porsche i thought it was like the same fucking one it's it's this it's the end of the scene he's he'll see it he's going to give it to him yeah. But, it, but, but it, no, I'm saying that Porsche that they were going to steal, isn't it the same yeah. one as the one he was get? It's not, I mean, not in the plot, but I'm pretty sure it's the same car. Like, It looks like it, because when yeah, Charlie Sheen's breaking into it, you don't really see the front or the back. You just see the kind of the door and the roof, so it mm-hmm. might be. But, but continuity-wise, No Man's Land cinematic universe-wise, Bat, it's actually supposed to be the black one that he stole from his first repossession that they repaint it yeah and, and change the serial numbers on you know what you need go they've got these fucking 35 millimeter slides yeah. promo photos on here there's and there's... they got that one that's on the poster of charlie sheen's uh standing there that's on the poster yeah uh-huh. that's that's here too man but they want like 30 dollars for it so. well there's somebody who has a script on there and they scanned in about 10 pages i want to talk about this i read the beginning of the script of the original script and the, i forget what the guy wants but it's like ridiculous it's like a couple hundred bucks but it, you can tell it's the og script because it's different it's written by dick wolf which there had to be rewrites and i can't remember i don't think anybody else is really credited as rewrite but i think the director or maybe other people did rewrites because the opening of the movie in the script because i went through and zoomed in on the pictures and read it the other day the opening yeah, was, you're hardcore. I am hardcore. The opening was so uh, different. <laughs> it was two girls. Nah, this is a different one, Bat, than the one he was trying to steal because this one has the leather like T-top roof where the one Charlie had had the canvas top that like rolled back. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, the original script was two girls out in Van Nuys, which why it was in Van Nuys, I don't know because that's like a shitty part of town. It even was back then. <laughs> But uh, two girls, uh, high school girls, they're like 17, they're drunk, they come out of a house, they get into a Porsche, they start uh, smoking a PCP-laced cigarette, and they take off in the Porsche, and they're like having fun. And like some guy rolls up in a Camaro and is like, oh, you want a drag race or whatever? And they're like, yeah, sure, like you can't keep up with us. So like they peel off, and they go down the street, and they end up wrapping the Porsche around a telephone pole. And then um, they both die, like a horrible death. The two girls both die. And then the movie starts with Randy Quaid coming up and, like, investigating it because the car is stolen. And so that's how he starts investigating the, the – the. so I don't even know if the, the, the original script even had the cop getting shot. I think that was a rewrite, you know what I mean? The undercover cop getting shot. I'm not seeing this script. It must have sold a couple hundred bucks for original like, – if this isn't even the original shooting script and it's like – an original early draft it's yeah. probably worth what that guy if it was just like a couple hundred bucks yeah i mean and it was seeing how it was 
diehard you are. If it was fifty bucks, dude, I I own a couple scripts. Uh, like, oh, here uh, it is. Here it is. Nineteen eighty six. No man's land. Uh, three hundred dollars. Let's see if there's a make a make offer. Three hundred dollars. We'll offer five no. bucks. No. Dude, with something this high, look, I've done this before. Message the dude and be like, bar- do a bargain with him and see. Like, he probably ain't gonna let this fucker go for less than two, two hundred, two fifty. The movie wizard, yeah. All he, he's got a lot of script. Okay, he's got the stars born script, six hundred fifty six bucks. Come I'm on, I'm looking dude. at it's a fucking script. yeah. But the, you're you're basically saying this no man's land is like a different. It is. This is not the shooting script. This is like a different draft. Like Th- this was the revised draft from May third, nineteen eighty six. They went into production the week of Christmas, nineteen eighty six. So there was a good six months they had to rewrite this thing. What else has he got here? He's got a the lot lone, of shit. He's got the Lone Ranger. Which one? The 1980 Lone Ranger one? Uh, no, 1956. I don't know if it's for a TV show, for one of the episodes, oh, or if there was yeah, like a movie. But you, you know what's awesome about the No Land, No Man's Land script, Bat, is I love that blue Orion Pictures Corporation cover that it's got on it. Yeah? See? That's why you need... You're going to go buy fucking Tarman for 100... This figurine... Well, I didn't. I didn't quite. Uh... You're never even going to do anything with. It's going to collect dust. But but I but it, I should pay double to get the No Man's Land script. Bats booping out here a little bit. <clears throat> but getting back to the movie, yeah, DB Sweeney. He gets his his free Porsche from Charlie Sheen. He drives home, and his girlfriend uh, Charlie Sheen's Don't sister. Buy this, dude. Yeah. You want me to buy the script on Airbat? I want you to buy the script and not buy that Tarman figurine, damn it. Well, I, I'm not 100% com- To be honest with you, like I had looked at the Tarman <laughs> when it was first announced, and I had the boner for it. But when you looked at it the other day, and you're like, I don't know, dude. This is a lot. I looked it's at the picture. I looked at the pictures again. I'm like, yeah, this is like a $60 figure. Yeah. That's what I said when I looked at it. I was like, Dude, when you look at that Otis figure with the yeah. the, the lantern that lights up, and you're like, well, "What the fuck bucks, is this? Yeah. Like, this thing better suck my dick for 160 bucks," you know? Yeah, I could go down a rabbit hole of uh, trick or treat. But this studios, script, though. the script is cool, man. Like that's so cool. unique. Yeah. The dudes in Van Nuys. Uh, uh, if I still lived out there, I probably could have met up with him in person, see if he knocked any money off for picking up person. All right, we got to talk about Charlie's best acting moment where he finds Bill yeah. Duke shot mm-hmm. dead. This is a great reaction. It's almost like platoon level acting of Charlie Sheen. Bill Duke's uh, de- dead on the toilet, Elvis style. Yeah. But when you're asking me if this is my favorite Charlie Sheen movie, I mean, it probably is. But the other one that I'm just so high on, dude, like I watched it so many times on DVD and then eventually the Blu-ray as well, is I love The Boys Next Door. Although I, I do think his act, his act, it's not even that his acting is better in this, it's just he has a better part to play in this. But I, The Wraith's but, good, but it's not because of him. The, the, yeah, the Wraith is good, but it's like, I'm trying to think like, like Kevin Bacon could have played that role, and the movie would have been just as good. You know what I mean? Anybody could have. They could have brought Brad Pitt in to play it, and it would have because he doesn't really. He's not really. 
it's not about it's not really him he's kind of the star but he's not like i don't know randy quaid is not i want i don't want to say he's the star he's a star he's not even really yeah. a co-star in this movie he's like a supporting yeah. whereas quaid's actually like more of a star in Wraith than he than Charlie I think they've got about the equal like the same amount of screen time well also too I mean without getting the spoilers for the Wraith is like a lot of the flashback (laughs) scenes and shit like they had to get the other guy to play Charlie's character so it's like it's Charlie probably was there for like five days seriously well, well yeah because he he literally all he does is he has the scenes with uh who was in that Sherilyn finn looking yeah. amazing by the way but mm-hmm. like all his scenes are just the romantic scenes with Sherilyn finn and like that's it and then yeah just, there was like, a, they're at like a pool or is it a lake or something there's i think yeah, it's a pool it's a lake in like arizona yeah. or somewhere yeah yeah that's like yeah, and then there's just a handful of stuff, but like the, all the other scenes, I don't even know if he was when he had the helmet on, if he was even no, that, in no, the that, that, nah, that wasn't Charlie. That um, was a stand in. But um, Charlie actually gives a. I mean, I'm not trying to crap on the Wraith at all. It's a fun movie for what it is. It's just a movie I'm not like crazy about. It, it's a movie I watched a lot on cable as a kid. But and you I re- own it. You yeah. hear that oh, crazy? Yeah. I mean, I don't even own it. I want to own it, but D- that fucking Vestron, okay. okay. I pass it up. Okay, this is how much I own the Wraith, okay? I bought the special edition DVD that came out during the Blu-ray era, and I'm like, oh, it's a DVD. It, it, it looked kind of crappy. It looked processed. I, I already had the original. You don't have the original. I don't have the original. And I did yet. buy the original DVD I ha- I have the Italian import blue that came out years before the Vestron. I I got that. I paid like twenty two bucks for that. I was disappointed with the way it looked. The Vestron came out. I got that. I'm like, it doesn't look that much better. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, it's just it's just an okay movie. Like like that's one of the ones that I I liked it more when I watched it on cable as a kid than I do now. Where No Man's Land I actually like better. Like even though I loved it as a kid, I like it more now because there's so much. Like, No Man's Land is an hour and 46 minutes, and it's like 80% of the runtime is just character-building scenes between D.B. Sweeney and Charlie Sheen, D.B. Sweeney and Randy Quaid, D.B. Sweeney and um, the the girlfriend. Like, it's there's like you get invested in the characters in this, whereas, like, like even though Charlie didn't have... Like, you added up Charlie's screen time in minutes and minutes in Red Dawn, it's not a lot. The scenes he's yeah. in are very impactful, the yeah. Wraith, he's just like, I don't want to say he's sleepwalking in, like he's doing a bad job. There's just nothing for him to do in that fucking it's, movie. It's it's not about him. He's yeah. not really the star. I no. feel like they were like, yeah, you're going to get, you know, top billing and stuff, but you're, he's not the star of the movie at all. Yeah. So no. Actually, the brother is the star of the yeah. movie of that one. So. The brother and Sherilyn Finn are the stars of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's a good movie though. I don't want to shit on, but it was weird no, though because because I, I I remembered it and I remember when I was in college, it was uh, <laughs> I can't remember what movie it was, but it was when I was Sheen crazy and there was some movie some Charlie Sheen movie. It might have been Red Dawn and I was we were talking to some buddies about it, and they're like, oh, you know what the best Charlie Sheen movie is? is the Wraith and like. I had seen the movie and I remember Charlie Sheen was in it, but I, I didn't remember the title because I hadn't seen it since it was on cable when I was a kid. And it's like, and then finally when I saw it again on TV a couple years later, I was like, oh yeah, like I know this movie, like, because like I like specifically as from a kid, I remember the scenes, the flashback scenes where they killed him or whatever. 
But um, yeah. I, I wanted to I wanted to bring up how this uh, movie seems very obviously. This comes before, but it seems like the 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 creators of uh, Deep Cover. Yeah. This feels this got a deep cover feel to it, where DB Sweeney is kind of losing himself in uh, his undercover, which. You know, you read a lot about undercover cops. I mean, Donnie Brasco, shit like that. Uh, they kind of get too deep into it. So, which, which I don't think is a coincidence at all. Because let me do my homework real quick here, Bat. But um, I hear you the... typing away, uh, and you're yeah. looking at them. <laughs> you're on so, the mother computer yeah. here. So this, this is what I thought. I think the reason deep cover is such bears such a resemblance to this film is a deep covers directed by our boy bill duke so oh real oh yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. okay so bill was like i i love this story so much i'm gonna remake it but better yeah i'm with gonna remake lawrence it with lawrence fishburne and i'm gonna get snoop dogg i'm gonna discover snoop dogg to do his first song did you get uh did you get that blu-ray yes and yeah. uh i made a well not a tiktok but i made a short youtube video where I talked about it, and I I, told, I recommended the film highly to people, Bat, because I told people that Deep Cover is an amazing film because it portrays Jeff Goldblum very convincingly <laughs> as a drug kingpin, and you know he's a convincing drug kingpin because he has slick back hair in it. Yeah, exactly. No, that's probably one of yeah, that's probably one of Goldblum's uh, top top five for me. I oh yeah. Say, so that it's right under when he wore the uh the archie hat in death wish yeah it was uh the jug rapist version yeah the jug yeah, yeah yeah the yeah. jug yeah which like like when you watch that movie and and obviously nobody thought this at the time but now that you look back you know who goldblum is like you're totally like you wish that character was in it more like you wish the ending mm-hmm. of the movie was bronson you know fighting goldblum jughead I just want to follow uh, the rapist Jughead around in his own film. It's just, it's yeah. just like the dude. Um, he was in The Stand, but he was also in uh, Toxic Avenger, uh, the little taco restaurant scene. The dude with yeah. that painted face. I just want to, I want to see a movie of him, and it'd be great if Jughead, rapist Jughead, and him got together and did a movie together. Yeah. <laughs> So like so like pretty much this is, this is Sheen's career like there there's a few TV movies in like like there's literally a TV movie eighty five where he plays the man shaving like like what the fuck is that but it's like Grizzly two didn't come out his first real movie was Red Dawn mm. uh, th- then Boys was Next was that his d- debut was Red Dawn I didn't realize that I mean it's not well yeah like he technically. Was, he was in some shit, his dad shit as a kid, just like Emilio was as an extra, which, you know, you don't count that. But Red Dawn is technically his introducing credit. Did because he play, Gr- like, a Vietnamese child in Apocalypse Now, or...? He's, he, I, I think Emilio is... In, I could be wrong. Emilio might be in... No, he was in Badlands. Charlie in Badlands. Oh, okay. uh, Charlie played the boy under lamppost. Mm. And then the execution of Private Slovic was a TV movie, which I believe was a uh, Martin Sheen movie as well, TV movie. He played the kid at the wedding. Then he Never played Lance. Yeah, he played Lance in Grizzly 2. Then Red Dawn. Then The Boys Next Door. Then Lucas. Then the episode of Amazing Stories. Then the cameo Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The Wraith. Platoon. Wisdom, which is a cameo. 
then that movie Three for the Road, and then No Man's Land. So, like, No Man's Land is still pretty early in his career. Like, I think he was 22 when he made it. Which and we at gotta... some point, at some point, he was in uh, Lucas, where he uh, Crisco'd uh, Ames' butthole. Yeah, I don't believe that Supposedly. for a second. Allegedly, allegedly, Al- alleged by somebody who I don't even. I don't you don't, know trust, what you you don't trust that guy. Any no. guy that dresses like Michael Jackson, you can't trust him. Put put it this way: I mean, anything's possible in this world, Bat. But I would I would take Hames' mom's word. I love the zoom in on uh, Charlie's face because yeah. they're they're going through the discos and he's trying to find. Um, uh, Frank, Frank Frank Martin to murder him, and he's got DB watching his back, which which it's funny because Charlie gives DB like the bread of nine millimeter, and then he has like a fucking two shot Derringer <laughs> that he wants to murder RD Call with. Be quiet. And yeah. it is it is super quiet. I was like, oh, no one noticed because the they fucking... just kept dancing. Yeah, yeah, this they're is... all coked up. They this didn't o- notice. I think this club was in a lot of movies too because it almost looks like the club that was in. Um... Uh, less than zero as well but it's probably a different one but yeah like i love this scene where he's just taking the drag off the cigarette and then he uh. throws the cigarette in the the drinks that the girl's carrying by he just goes up and shoots frank martin because like basically the story he gave db was like just watch my back i'll give you a gun you won't have to do anything it just it's just for my own protection like db sweeney doesn't even know that charlie sheen is like packing this little derringer in his pocket but he tells him like I gotta find you know Frank and I gotta like just talk to him to basically get a truce you know this is getting out of hand or whatever. But he's really goes to murder him and he's and he's got DB Sweeney watching his back. But he, but he sends him away to be like oh check downstairs see if he's downstairs and then he goes up and murders him. But yeah like this hot chick just keeps dancing. She was like one foot away. This guy getting shot. Like, she, I guess... he was, she was dancing with him. That's what I thought. That's what yeah. I thought. But... At, like earlier when he was, when Emma DB were, look, were talking, looking around. Yeah. Yeah, man. If, it, if that script wasn't $300, man, I'd, I'd snatch it up. If it was two, I'd probably, I would grab it. I don't think so. I could do it at two. I think for a hundred. I, I could think do I it at do two. It. Let's really? go. Let's go halves on it, brother. We'll throw one fifty, one fifty. Come on. I don't know, dude. <laughs> let's see. You're getting nervous. You're gonna buy that fucking tar man, and now you're like, that's. Stop that's saying I want to buy the tar man, dude. You I, were thinking about. I, it. I have you were not thinking pre-ordered. about it. When I saw the new photos, I was kind of like, yeah, it's just kind of like a hunk of plastic. It's not yeah. really. It really it weird. does. It looks about as good as the uh, NECA. It's sort of, but like it's like yeah. paying one hundred fifty dollars for a NECA figure. And, and honestly, I passed on the NECA because I didn't oh, there think was it was one? good enough. I thought there was. I thought there was There's, another one. New was telling me that um, he saw a Tarman. It was a Japanese one, and they mm. also had a, a helicopter zombie from Dawn. You know what I? Gra- I did. I show you what I grabbed here. <laughs> I can't believe I. Which did one? That. The Blades one. The Blade. Well, he's machete. I think that's a whole Rubenstein issue because I remember the commentary for Land where Romero was like, yeah, we wanted to get all the the footage from the first three films and there was like some rights issue and I was like, no, there was a rights issue at Dawn and you just said, fuck it. Like, Rubenstein wouldn't give the director rights to put clips in his new film from his film. That's, you know, where he wanted too much or something, so, but... Yeah, there was this other tar man from this company. 
of course everybody's scalping it for 200 bucks now but it was just wow. a regular like toy that came in the plastic packaging and honestly it looks just as good and it comes with the 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 little background the plastic background with the yeah. the zombie barrel in the background and shit and uh yeah i remember when this came out i was like oh it's kind of cool but i didn't rush to get it or i didn't really want it i thought it was a NECA, but it's not it's a muck time toys um the back of the packaging says copyright 2011 yeah that that land of the dead figurine i'd never heard of a company that put those out but they were there they look as good as a NECA but no I always wanted the um well I heard about them and I guess I maybe seen photos of these Dawn of the Dead figurines and they put out a Blades one and then like I don't know a couple months ago I was like hey I wonder if I could find the Blades one and it's like going for like a fortune Mm -hmm. and they look like shit they're just like solid figures they're I don't think their arms move or anything and I'm like I'm not paying that much for that little shitty figurine. And then um, I was like, I don't know what I was looking at, but there was a suggestion on eBay and it had those land of the dead zombies. It was the butcher and uh big daddy. And there was a, there was a blades one. And I was like, wow, that looks cool. I was like, well, this is just, this is probably the best thing you're going to get for as far as a blades figurine. Right. And this is this is pretty cool. So, but like I get like wanting like Savini, like I don't know Don. We're getting off topic here. I'd like I get yeah, I like know. wanting the biker figure, but I don't. Who really wants a Blades figure? I mean, but but like I mean I don't know how much you pay for the one you pay for, but it does look cool in Too the packaging. Much. Yeah, Too much. it still looks no, cool. His character's just great in Dawn, and it's like um that convention i was gonna go to and it just didn't work out i really wanted to go to it and they were having like the dawn reunion they weren't even like saying they were like uh ken foray and uh galen and uh who else was there um uh, the, uh for, scott, uh, Ryan, scott reiniger uh, and they Reiniger. weren't even like including Savini as like a cast. And I'm like, what do you mean? He was a sex <laughs> artist, and he's like got the a the most famous shot of the movie right. at this point is like him putting the machete in the dude's face. Like, <laughs> right? That was a fr- that was the front the 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 machete zombie. I mean, that was a, a French. I think that was the French poster. So, yeah. and that's his effect, you know, too, as well. So. But we we getting back to the movie. We, yeah, it is his effect. Um, kind of one of his first showstoppers, I would say. But uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. So so we had the plot development. We found out um, who killed the police officer. Like during the, the whole movie, you kind of forget about it. You're like, was it Charlie Sheen? Maybe it wasn't. Well, he gets a call from uh, this cop that we saw lurking around earlier in the movie with randy quaid and like this is my my kind of only like and i get like you can't have the movie be too overstuffed or too many scenes but kind of the only weak point of the script is all of a sudden like we bring back who who murdered the cop at the beginning and it turns out it was actually this other older guy this crooked cop and like randy quaid was smart like at the shop where uh, bill duke got got killed like db sweeney almost blew his cover in front of the other cops and randy quaid busted him like shut the fuck up like you can't trust other cops because you know people are crooked and shit it was this older guy who uh was on the basically getting the payola from charlie sheen and to cover up the fact that you know this guy was going to bust sheen's operation he went ahead and killed him 
And now he's demanding 20 grand from Charlie Sheen. He's like, I'm out. I'm not going to, you know, cover up crime for you anymore or work for or you. I'm a, or I'm going to snitch or something. Yeah, he, he's, like, he's like, I'm going to snitch. He's like, you know, I killed that cop for you and whatever. Which the way, he, the way he says it, it doesn't really seem like Sheen really ordered the hit type thing. Right. It's just like Sheen didn't know the guy was an undercover cop, like working with him or whatever, working for him. And the guy just, like, went ahead and, like, took the cop out. Which, like, that is, like... Because, I, like, I always seen, like, uh, the director in his interview and D.B. Sweeney said, yeah, the script needed work. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? This movie's, like, great with its character motivation. But I think this is kind of what they mean, the shit with this this older cop. And um, he, he, he says, and I'm going to give you a bonus. He's like, that kid you got working with you, you know, D.B. Sweeney's kid, or he's a cop, too. And, like, Charlie Sheen, it's a great moment where Charlie Sheen's on the phone at the party and you just see the look on his face, you know? And he's like, oh, shit. So he sets D.B. Sweeney up. He gives him the money to pay the cop off. But he's like, yeah, we're going to, you know, I'm gonna, you're going to pay this guy off for me. Just give him this money and then we'll leave. And uh, But the thing is, he's a cop and, like, D.B. Sweeney's kind of like, oh, shit. So, like, pretty much he's testing. Like, like when you watch the movie for the first time, you don't know what's going to happen. You think Charlie Sheen's just setting D.B. Sweeney up to get killed. But he's, I don't think he really is bad. I think he's testing to be like, okay, like now I know you're an undercover cop. But, like, are you really on my side? Or is, like, what's this going on? Because this, this old cop guy is going to kill uh, D.B. Sweeney as well to, like, yeah. you know, cover up his trail or whatever. And it, this is a fucking awesome scene how Charlie Sheen comes down in the Porsche and runs the guy over and kills him. We we get this in deep cover too. We get like the same thing where uh, Goldblum finds out that uh, Fishburne's a cop, like, uh, undercover cop too as well. Yeah. But he's all about it. He's like, "No, man, this will be perfect." And it, it, we don't get that much here though, where he's like, "No, it's yeah. great that you have you're like on the inside," and he just doesn't care. He's like, "We're buddies." Well, well, yeah, because because Sheen never lets on the DB Sweeney. He's just like he's like I saved your life, man. You know, well, actually, he's not even saying that. DB Sweeney's saying that because like as soon as DB Sweeney reports back um, to uh, like what happened, like like uh, Randy Quaid wants the wants to move in and bust Charlie Sheen for running this cop over and killing him, saying okay, like I don't, you know, that's enough. We got him on this. And D.B. Sweeney's, like, saying, like, no, like, that motherfucker, even though he was a cop, he was going to kill me. And, like, that's the thing, too, is they kind of play with a little bit, but you don't get too much. Is that D.B. Sweeney is a very a naive 22-year-old rookie cop in this movie. And he just, he think, he does he doesn't realize how much of the department is crooked. And that's why, like, Randy Quaid is really trying to hip him up to be like, don't say this shit in front of other cops. Don't, don't divide, divulge your identity to anybody because you can't trust anybody. And this is exactly why, you know, Randy Quaid knew somebody was dirty in the department. These are great night driving shots, too. We gotta get the we gotta get the script, man. <laughs> You're hung gotta, up on it. We gotta, yeah, because you revealed it to me. Why do you do that shit? I'm on, dude, I'm on fucking you. eBay for shit, dude. There's some other shit I want to get to where it's the the home video marketing like folder that they give out in the Charlie Sheen's Porsche. They actually gave it away as a contest to uh, I don't know really what the pyramid scheme of it was, but whatever company sold the most no man's land vhs's was going to win the prize of uh whoever owned that company was going to win charlie sheen's uh whatever it is blue silver porsche here and uh they even included the picture because like, there's some great promo photos of uh db sweeney and charlie sheen 
think I'll get some blown out and print it out and hang it up in my movie room of them standing around the car. But yeah, this is pretty much where D.B. Sweeney um, fucks up. And I would say really, like, once D.B. Sweeney is, like, exposed to Charlie Sheen, like, I think finally, wouldn't you say... Because, like, as much as, like, the movie is all about D.B. Sweeney's morals as an undercover cop being eroded, I think also Charlie Sheen's morals are being eroded throughout the film as he gets deeper and deeper and the cops are, like, kind of on his trail more. Cause I, well, I, I killed that dude, so... Yeah. But, yeah. I, but, but Charlie Sheen isn't actually kind of, like, an evil or bad guy in this movie until this point right here in the movie, wouldn't you say? Um, I don't know about it. I don't know, but I guess he turns darker. I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't say evil, but I guess I didn't think of it that way. But you've well, probably seen this movie like way more times than I have too. I mean, geez, seen it when it first came out, so you've had a lot of time to think about this. Well, like I think what the level is like, even when he ran <laughs> over the the crooked cop, he did technically do it to save his friend's life. Whereas like now. He's just he like he lets DB Sweeney go to see where he's gonna go and who he's gonna like snitch off to, and DB Sweeney again being the naive rookie cop, he goes straight to Randy Quaid's house and Randy Quaid's like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like I told you never." And it's like Christmas night as well, and he's like, "I told yeah. you never to come here," you know, and um, and of course uh, Charlie Sheen's down the block watching him, so now Charlie Sheen knows who his uh, superior officer is, and. Uh, it gets revealed here in a couple couple minutes but there's like some more scenes in between but it like i think i think when uh it happens off screen and it gets revealed later but i think when um charlie sheen takes the step of killing randy because they show randy quaid has a wife and he has kids and stuff when he goes to that depth of killing randy quaid i think it's kind of like you know because because really the real move should be he should he should be killing db sweeney but he doesn't want to do that you know what i mean Unless he has to. This guy has the Bates Motel fucking shooting script, the 1987 TV movie. With the, what was that, Bud Court or whatever? Yeah, but he wants a lot more for that script. He wants $875 oh, yeah. for that. That's a shooting script. Well, no, well, see, like, No Man's Land is one of those few movies, Bat, where, like, I'm, I feel like it's still under the radar. Like, as much 80s, 90s movies have been, like, you know, gotten whatever. I thought this was funny too. I I don't know if they were like hinting around to this. I mean, at this point, it's like the thing's blown. We knew who the cover was, but like, the uh, the girlfriend wears a trench coat just like the cop did, and like, because when the when the cop gets killed at the beginning, like you just see somebody in a trench coat did it. You don't know who. I was like, were they trying to set up that like at some point some version of the script? Like a red herring. Yeah, yeah, like a red herring. We got we got to get the script though to find out if that was what was really. That going is out. true. We don't know. We got no buzz. <laughs> I think that's what's so like so intriguing about that script is that there's these other scenes that didn't that aren't in the movie shot yeah. or it's like some kind of alternate version, and that I'm, just sounds like really cool that intro yeah, that you were does. talking about with well, the, the girls, girls smoking, smoking the PCP, PCP. <laughs> cigarette or whatever. Yeah. Well, That's I too hardcore for 1987 audiences. I, yeah. I want to know who those girls were if they were like. Uh, Charlie's character's toys, like maybe that was the girl he was talking about in the in the car scene, where he's like, "Oh, I met this oh. girl. She's so beautiful." Oh. Like you don't know, like could be. So yeah, like like basically, Randy Quaid's like, "Get the fuck out of my house. We'll go over this in the morning," and um, 
D.B. Sweeney, his girlfriend, comes over to his shitty apartment, which she kind of knows something is up, because she's like, it doesn't look like anybody lives here, and he's like, oh, I just moved in, because, like, his cover story was he was a mechanic in San Diego, and he moved up to L.A., so it kind of makes sense that he would have an empty, like, shitty furnished apartment or whatever, but yeah, he's he's buying all this, like, grocery shit to make her breakfast, like, I don't know what kind of breakfast he's going to make her with oranges and pineapples and shit, but, like, he also uses the excuse to get out of the house to, um... I don't know. I thought he was going to go see Randy Quaid, but no. He comes back, and um, this is where his cover gets blown with his girlfriend. It's already blown with Charlie Sheen. But I thought this was a really good character, seeing how confused the girlfriend is and kind of sad she is. Because George is under his uh, uncle shows up, and he's like, hey, you know, it's, it's like the day after Christmas. He's like, hey, I brought your presents over from the family or whatever. And he's yeah, like, but so- why, does he the, why the hell does he know that he lives here? Like, if he's in, in deep cover, like, that's not Yeah, fair. that is kind of a plot hole. Um, <laughs> I that's think that I, I think there's a scene I, that got caught, huh? It could be. I mean, this movie's well under this 15 minutes short of two hours. This always felt like a movie that should be two hours to me. But um, his uncle, the very thin uh, George Zunda, which, which uh, I guess he's most famous at this point in time for being in The Deer Hunter which he was mm. a pretty large guy in that. And then he, I, I didn't re- even realize he really slimmed down for a couple of years, but then he kind of blew up by the time Basic Instinct came out a few years later. But um, he's he's weirdly uncredited in this film, supposedly. That's what the trivia says. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if that was just like... Because uh, D.B. Sweeney was talking on his interview, like how great they, they filled out like the entire cast with all these character actors like him and Bill Duke and stuff. And he was saying like now they just sign one star everybody else works for scale but back then they would spread the money out to try to make the whole cast strong you know but yeah so his uncle shows up the apartment he's like oh this is benji's apartment i think probably the only thing was he was probably like you said probably deleted scene or something like he was close with his uncle and i got the feeling like well like they kind of show it because he he looks like he's ready to go to work or he just got back from work at the thanksgiving scene i think he lived at home with his parents before this so like maybe just he told his parents where he lived or something or maybe they hit his address or something but like yeah like i I know what you mean if he was deep cover like he really shouldn't because like we said the movie starts on thanksgiving and it ends the day after christmas so he would have been living in this apartment for a good month at this point you know but yeah this this is where he has to reveal her and of course she feels betrayed because he's been pretending to be this guy that he's not and uh she i mean she knows that um you know like once she finds out he's a cop he knows that you know he's basically a buster brother but the way they play it bad is like she's not even really upset that like her brother is going to go to jail like i think she knows the shit that he's in because he keeps like you know throughout the movie she kind of asks charlie sheen about his business and he always bullshits her so she knows charlie sheen is up to some shit and that he'll just get busted and whatever, you know, but probably not thinking too much out of it because they are a rich family. He could probably bail himself out or get a good lawyer. But this is—I feel like, like we get that uh, from that exchange when they're playing, when they're a DB swinging her um, playing basketball, and yeah. she's like asking him questions and stuff like that. Yeah. Again, more um, awesome. Uh, character actors here the dude from blood simple our boy i'm blanking on his name but he's like a super famous character actor he just came in for this one day to do this line uh db sweeney goes over to randy quaid's house to talk to him and finds he's dead he got shot in his car pretty much the sheenster was hanging out there all night um mm at walsh i'm sorry yeah mm at walsh yeah and uh 
He gets he's top billed on this. He's Is only there he? for one day. Yeah, he's on. Because DB Sweeney said like because uh, he was old already or whatever. Like he couldn't remember the line, so it took a he had cue cards and shit. It took a lot, but he was saying like. Because Emma Walsh naturally has so much personality that you can't even really tell. He just covers it up, you know. He's but, uh, he he's old here. Good God, he must have been real because he's in shit in the nineties, right? Right. And so he must have been like ancient then. Yeah. Hmm. They just kept working with him. But uh, yeah, here Charlie Sheen's packing his bags. He's going to take a flight somewhere. We don't. We're not sure really. And this is where I think the movie like kind of all the plot holes are kind of worked out all the kind of you know little imperfections of the script were past that point and like now it just comes down to character and like yeah he's getting ready to go on the run and originally they had made plans charlie sheen told him told db sweeney like we'll go get some cars you know the day after christmas everybody will be at the mall taking shit back and we'll just steal some cars but um he's trying to get out of the country and then uh, his sister shows up and he talks to her and like this is like a great example of actors and i'm sure the director too working with them like there's not a whole lot on the page like this dialogue could be interpreted like a lot of ways and she's like where are you going ted like she's just finally asking him like all these questions like you know like like she doesn't straight out ask him and uh he's like oh i just gotta go somewhere but it's just so obvious that shit has hit the fan and he's ready to go on the run just packing his bags leaving out of the middle of nowhere and um it's really great because she's like she's like i said uh, earlier it was like she wasn't so much worried about db sweeney busting her brother she's worried about like what's going to happen between them like are they going to kill each other or whatever because she keeps asking him like oh do you know where bill is are you going to go see bill and he's like yeah i don't know like like i don't know where he's at i can't get it. have you seen him like and then finally the phone rings and it's db sweeney saying like yeah we're gonna go get those cars tonight right and like what did you think about that that choice bat where like charlie sheen is he 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 booked a plane ticket over the phone he's getting ready to leave and it's like he could still just go on the run but he decides to go meet db sweeney to like basically have a resolution like what what was your take on that as a viewer uh what are you like what knowing what happens after or like well just just, that as like a plot element just as a plot element of like basically like shit has hit the fan he knows he knows db sweeney are you asking me if i think it's realistic probably i don't think so but like it it helps i'm just saying as a as a dramatic choice yeah yeah no no it works but it's not like realistic realistically if it's like shit's in the fan you're going with your original plan a you're not fucking with you know this dude's a cop and stuff and like it's probably not a good idea you've you've murdered a few people it's it's time to go yeah this is your chance but yeah no it works for the plot i guess to conclude the movie and the way the scene works out is they're feeling each other out and by the way this is this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie where where because the way the sister was dancing around asking the questions and like she knew he was a cop but she didn't know if charlie knew he was a cop and they're kind of dancing around that and then at the end where he's walking out the door um she she yells he's a cop or bill's a cop and in the trailer they show an alternate take where charlie says tell me something i don't know before he walks out but in the movie he doesn't say anything 
He just yeah. looks at her and he's he grabs his bags or whatever and he just slowly walks out the door. And it's like I think the the editing choice that they put in the movie was way stronger cuz it's just like you just see all the emotion of like Charlie Sheen's like basically like I need to get this shit over with. I need to resolve this with this guy. Like I thought he was my, like it's almost like Shakespearean in a way. Like that's what I really like about it dramatically is like he's like I need to resolve this like either you know bill or benji whoever the fuck this guy is either he's going to arrest me tonight or i want to kill this fucker and like like what i was talking about like with the way charlie sheen's character goes down the slope in this film is like you can he's so much more intense here like he's almost like in martin sheen territory now you know what i mean like compared to how jokey he was in like the beginning part of the movie and he's like, he's like, not even wanting to go on the, the the escalator. He's like, he's like, we'll take the stairs, we'll go up to the roof, you know, got some cars up there or whatever. And like, I love this moment where they get at the top and um, and they're like, oh, he opens the door and he's like, oh, like, uh, you know, after you, no, after you, like, they're just so like the tension is so fucking real there, like, like both these guys like know like the shit is like you know like literally one or maybe both of them are gonna die or charlie sheen's gonna get arrested like i love it and like really like i love the whole style of this movie and it's done really well and it's almost like in a pseudo miami vice 80s kind of cool fun way but this last scene on this rooftop bat i love it that it kind of goes pure like michael mann here this end scene even visually and stuff but this end scene reminds me a lot of like the ending of the the uh, michael mann movie thief with james Kahn. like the i don't know if i ever seen that oh it's so fucking like i mean i hate to be the poser to be like michael mann's best movie is his first movie but like it seriously might be it's so fucking good dude but i like this too like they find the car and it's again it's like oh like you know you want to do it you want okay i'll do it whatever and they're like basically it comes to a head here and it's like again like every word that they're saying that's just like bullshit dialogue the way they're saying it you know they're kind of pushing each other he's like yeah you do it you do it yeah and charlie says what's the matter don't you trust me he says should i and it's like again it's like obviously the trust was betrayed by benji being an undercover cop but now the trust is betrayed on the other side too because uh you know charlie sheen killed rain McQuaid, and, and you know that's not cool and he brings it up he's like he's like hey i did what i had to do and i saved your life so like he's he's basically saying like you should be loyal to me even though you're a cop and like again that's just the conflict in the movie the friendship and i think that's why this movie does the flipping of the morality of the undercover cop better than a lot of other movies db like, sweeney rocking a bob dylan yeah he was and i like it too that for the ending where he shows up to do this shit and basically arrest charlie sheen or kill him whatever's going to happen i like that he went back to dressing to like how he really dressed he's not dressing like charlie sheen anymore it's kind of like a cool subtle dude you you shouldn't have turned me onto the script i'm looking at all this guys yeah you're obsessed with this script I would. Well, I would. No, this guy's—he's got a Texas original, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three sh- uh, script that was used shooting, and there's like a whole scene crossed out of it. But you can read it, but it's like crossed off. So there's like scenes that they didn't shoot. Dude, who is this guy? He's the movie he wizard is, from Van Nuys. He's dude—he's some old dude, probably owned a poster shop. He's been collecting this shit for. But dude, we got to talk about has... the shootout. The, the shootout here it's like so michael mann when it goes into slow-mo 
and they shoot each other films here yeah this is great dude it, it went okay this is what's great sheen gets shot twice in the gut then he gets shot through the cheek that's the fucking best right there and like the the best thing is like when charlie sheen falls down after he's been shot like the acting choice and you don't see this in really movies he looks surprised like he's like betrayed and surprised when he's looking at db sweeney and then he just kind of slumps and dies and he did hit uh, db sweeney i think just in the shoulder because he was kind of like he was leaning up against the car so he had some cover but charlie sheen was out in the open there but, Are you uh, sure that squib accident wasn't during the shootout scene? See that he see, had that squib on his face. That's that's what I thought, but but everybody said it was it it was um, when the director and Park, then the things are they they garage they said it was in the column and it blew out in like the the garage they're on right or the the rooftop they're on now. There's no columns nearby. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's nothing. Like, cause that's what I thought. I was like, cause I even went back and researched after I, I I read that. I was like, I was like, but they did the squib on his cheek. That's probably. But they said no, it was actually his neck that got cut. Cause the shit flew out, and they're like, if it would have went in his eye, it would have blinded him. Shit. But yeah, and obviously after like the shootout and the moment of surprise and everything, Charlie Sheen had on his face like true eighty style. It has to end on the uh, freeze frame, but uh, but nah, I mean. That's it for No Man's so, so tell me how much you're in love with the movie Wizard again, Bat. Oh, um, it's just, I've just been sorry. I sh- you shouldn't have showed me this. Like, now I'm like, well, what else does he have? He's so, the movie Wizard. But, He's got everything. But Let's... pretty much everything is like uh, $200 to $300. And then if yeah. it's like something really rare, then it's like, He's got Chinatown here, uh, seventy five hundred. So most like the really famous uh, screenplay, you know, films yeah. are like seventy five hundred. Like, he seems to say in this like weird price range. Dude, he, he this guy this guy was an insider because he's got Psycho two, The Return of Norman Bates. 1980 unproduced screenplay it's not the tom holland yeah, one. He's it's, got it's a bunch of unproduced ones yeah like if you got unproduced screenplays dude like you were like in the shit you know what i mean you worked at the studio and you stole all these fucking scripts from the studios or I, something or i want to i want to know studio connections i want to know like how many of these he actually sells in like a month you know what i mean I don't know, but there's like I'm just like going through here because I'm like, oh, you, let's see if, what kind of gold you have hiding here, dude. It's weird how you price shit too. So he has a 1939 acting book used by the actor Charlie Chaplin in the film Monsieur Verdoux, whatever that is. He only wants sixty bucks for a, a screen used Charlie Chaplin proc, but then for like these scripts, the movies that didn't even get made, it's like seven hundred <clears throat> bucks. It's weird. Well, yeah, because they're like more rare. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm like I wouldn't pull the trigger on that No Man's Land one because it might be floating around online, and I really would be interested. In, but I don't know if that. Now I'm looking at everything else, and I'm like, shit. I mean, I, for 375, I could get that Leatherface Texas Chainsaw. I mean, I like. I'd say I like that film more than No Man's Land's good. But when you start getting into like shit, yeah. you want for collect as far as collectibles, yeah. you know. Nah, dude. I I would for a hundred bucks, I would snap up that No Man's Land script in a heartbeat. But I I do two hundred. I don't know if I I I, I I don't know. That's a lot. I don't know. I've spent 
I've spent more on fucking. They had a script, a shining script on here. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'd love, but they wanted like you wanted seventy five hundred for that fucking thing. So pretty so, insane. I'm gonna look at this tonight. I'll, I'll be spending more time, but yeah, overall, No Man's Land. I think it would make a great double feature with The Wraith. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of don't think it would be just because the movies are so like. Well, look, look. You open it up like you think you think No Man's Land's a better film, right? Oh, hands down. So no, Man, you, no Man's Land so to me is like no an eight Man's out of Land ten. First. The, yeah, you'd show yeah. this first, and then people are like, "Oh, I don't like the race," so they could leave. It'd be like a drive-in double feature. You always show like the movie that's not as good second. So it's really weird too, because like what the guys were saying on the commentary track they're like maybe this would have done better if they would have waited it because like they thought oh sheen will be hot off a of platoon but like the movie didn't really do any business they should have just waited a, another month or two or maybe a couple months and released it in early 88 after wall street came out because this came out like the week before halloween and like i think wall street came out like around november or something maybe if wall street would have came out and done better or you know done done what it did than maybe Sheen, but I don't know. Like I just think like the the media or press, no matter what, you know, and like they the the whatever film historian guys like they're like oh just the title sucks it's so generic I'm like I think the title's badass no the title's great yeah it's it's just an odd you know it's I know you're like it's a drama it's not, yeah it's, it's a car movie though and it's oh yeah no got its niche it's got its like niche audience and uh you know so but uh, i don't think it was for everybody yeah yeah i mean by 1987 standards yeah it's a car action drama by today's standards it's mostly a drama you know what i mean like back then movies were slower paced more character development whatever you know but um it was pretty cool like db sweeney was saying um like all the shit he did like he actually um he he spent a couple weeks in some porsche uh garages getting trained on how to like do basic maintenance stuff on oh wow cool yeah and uh because he he had had experience um as a teenager um he couldn't afford a car he had a motorcycle so he knew how to work on a motorcycle but the way port because porsches back then especially were completely different the engines were air cooled where most engines are like water cooled and like they're laid out differently and stuff so like he actually spent some time so he could actually like do stuff and they hit they hit him doing just basic things like uh maintenance things on the cars and like the, the oil and yeah and i can't remember the guy's name but he like he's in the credits but they say it's like a fake name the consultant guy he was actually a real ex-car thief so him and db and charlie went out and they actually stole cars <laughs> and like they would drive them around and they would um they would uh, basically like return them a couple hours later to where the people like couldn't tell or whatever. You know what I mean? And uh, they said like one trick they played was like they found a, a car that had an alarm. So they went out and they, they hit it to make the alarm go off. And then they left for a couple hours and then they came back and they hit it again. And the guy came out again. It was like middle of the night and he's just thinking like, oh, something's wrong with the alarm or it's a cat. It keeps going off. So the guy disarmed the alarm and then they stole the car. So I thought that was interesting. And and they actually uh, did a rental car to do stunt driving with a stunt driving guy. And um, I can't, I'm blanking on his name. His name is Kerry something, but his dad was like a, the stunt driver guy. His dad was a famous 
game so host. I think his dad was Bob Eubanks. I think, and uh, I think it's <laughs> Carrie Eubanks. Wow. So they they did this rental car and they took it out on like um, a racetrack and they beat the hell out of it, like doing all the turns and skids and stuff. And like they just replaced the brakes and um, the tires, and the rental car place had no idea they were doing all these long tail spins and all this kind of shit in this car. Like it's pretty fucking awesome. But uh, but that's yeah. what you should do for like uh, if you're ever doing a movie where you're gonna do yeah. a bunch of shit, you just rent a car mm-hmm. for the movie, and yeah, and then you're gonna pay for insurance. So if you wreck right. it, just be like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that guy came out of nowhere or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that tree, just like yeah, yeah, road was slick. And then you've got the footage. See, I'm giving you ideas on your next film. I know. And and one one thing I thought it was funny. Uh, D.B. Sweeney was telling Charlie Sheen stories, and uh, they actually did that movie Eight Men Out after this, which was about the Chicago Black I saw that on there, and yeah. I was like, oh, I've never seen that. Which was another Orion picture, so Orion just packaged them into it. Oh, sweet, yeah. Yeah, so him and Charlie did that, and uh, they he was talking about like how Charlie was always working the system. They were shooting Eight Men Out, but they had to go do the promotional stuff for No Man's Land. So... Um, so db sweeney's like okay yeah like i'll do the press whatever just get me a plane ticket and charlie's like no let me handle it so charlie talked to orion and he got them a private plane dropped them off in minnesota for three days so they could see games one and two of the world series and then they flew to new york to do the press and like charlie called up orion execs and like do you know how my dad is do you know you know who my dad is right well, I'm sure they were probably sucking his dick though, because he mm-hmm. had done uh, Platoon, and then right. uh, and then like yeah, well, Wall Street hadn't come out yet, but they knew you know, obviously he had shot Wall Street and or whatever. Then, of course, Red yeah. Dawn was a big Red big Dawn film. was a big hit. Yeah. Did you see that in theaters? Yeah, I remember yeah. going to see it. It was funny too, because like my dad always had Wednesdays and Thursdays off, so if a movie came out Friday, we saw it Wednesday or Thursday. So the movie had been out like less than a week. I remember my dad saying like, oh, like because I didn't really know about it. I didn't see the trailers. My dad was, not that I needed to be convinced to see a movie at all as a kid. But I remember with Red Dawn, my dad saying like, oh, like, like you'll like it. It's like G.I. Joe. Because like at the time, like the big thing I was into was G.I. Joe. And I remember we saw it. The movie was out less than a week. It was me, my dad, and my mom saw it. And there was like, it, for like a weekday or whatever it was, evening showing, it was, it was kind of not packed, but it was pretty crowded. And we yeah. had we had like two like teenage boys behind us, and like the one kid I don't know how many times he had seen this movie in the fucking week it had been out, but like he knew the movie and he was quoting the dialogue in the theater. The yeah. yeah, and I'm just like, and I, afterwards, like I thought it was weird. I was like, how does he know like what's going to happen in the movie? And I mean that would like annoy the shit out of me now, but it just seemed like a weird thing at the time. And like I remember my dad being like, "Yeah, how many times has he seen this movie already?" It's like, oh, you know, it's been out less than a week. But yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying yeah. to think. Red Dawn. I remember when I saw it as a kid. I really liked it a lot. I don't know. I, I mm-hmm. feel like a kid, a boy, young young guy would would, yeah. would enjoy it. I, I don't. Oh, I I yeah. love it. Red Dawn's one of my favorite movies. That's why I just got that 4K with the poster and shit. 
like I was telling you, like I like that. That's one thing I wish I would have got when I bought them posters, because Red Dawn's always been one of my favorite posters, and I think they were like not rare, but they were a little bit pricier. That's probably why I didn't pick one up in the early two thousands. But uh, I'm sure you can attest this too, Bat. But the early two thousands of eBay before everybody was on eBay, you could get collectible shit so reasonable. Well, that's what I, I was never getting into the posters. I was here and like now, yeah. I don't know, the past like ten years. No, I've I've gotten a lot of shit, but let me tell you, I've paid a pretty penny, and like yeah. I'm hearing stories from guys like, rah, rah, I got that, po-, you know, an expensive poster would have been like twenty bucks, thirty yeah. bucks, you know, fifty now bucks a max. For, yeah, going for like hundred, two hundred yeah. now. So and I, I think, pulled the, you know, you you're talking about that script, like, oh, that's a lot, man. I pulled not quite three hundred or two hundred, but I pulled pulled the trigger on hundred dollar script or a hundred dollar posters so yeah i mean it's, and that's something like dude i don't even have any wall space like a lot of the shit's like folded up stored away like someday it would be nice yeah. but a script man like it's something you'd be able to flip through and then put on the shelf and pull off and look at again and yeah. just i don't know I, I I mean I could definitely afford it. It's just like I know you could. I, I'm just I like I don't know. Like I think it's a good thing because I've been spending a lot of money lately. Uh, <laughs> just, just little oh. things adding up. I've, Is I've it been Kino ca- doing a sale or I thought that I thought I saw they were doing a sale or something. Yeah. yeah. If I, I can know. take a minute break, uh, we we can make fun of my purchases for the Kino sale if that's cool. Sure. All right. Yeah. I'll be right back. All right. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. It's recording now. Okay, we're back. I bought the last seduction from Kino Lober, and I bought Cabin Boy. We I, we just recorded 20 minutes that nobody will ever hear. We didn't like, record it. Oh, yeah, we no. didn't record it. And I also bought the card <laughs> player. And then Bat is, uh, what'd, what'd you get, Bat? You got some arrow pickups. You got oh, Deep Red. I got the Deep Red yeah. uh, for 12-something 12, 12 sealed, but it's it's an older release. So Yeah. And then we were talking about just like 4K arrow, yeah. Tenebrae, but I don't, that's an older pickup for you. But yeah. I was commenting on, because you said the Tenebrae wasn't really that great the 4k it's yeah like like i don't i don't want to shit it because i'm sure there's somebody listening to this who, who got the tenebrae 4k and went nuts for it but it's like it's it is i don't know like like it is what it is like you know what i mean like i i guess i should be happy but I, like i don't know like i like it's really the menu system is fucked up like it starts out not in hdr you hit play my player takes a second to flip over to hdr dolby vision and then the movie's playing all right like they didn't put like a a bumper of black or anything just the movie starts playing like there's no opening titles no nothing it's like a bootleg yeah like like, yeah. like that really pissed me off because then i got to rewind yeah. it to see the beginning of the movie like that it skipped over while i was switching over i don't know it's, it's just weird it's like but it's like one of those things where it's like it's not so much that the disc doesn't look great or it doesn't look whatever it's just like there's some upgrades where you're like oh thank god this looks you know like this looks like the way it should be or where it's like it's kind of like yeah like i just bought the movie again (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) well that's what i was hearing about so i've been looking at the hills have eyes yeah arrow 4k and i'm like because i keep seeing it go like it got that special edition with like the poster and stuff 
I'll see it dip down to like twenty some dollars. Yeah. And you were like, "What?" And I'm like, "Ah, I saw it dip down a few times on Amazon. Like it's almost thirty dollars or whatever." Yeah. And I kept looking at all these reviews, and everybody's like, "Basically, what you just said. Like, I just I already had the Blu-ray, and I bought this piece of shit. I've yeah. double dipped for nothing." And um, I was looking around on eBay, and I've got that Hills Have or. Uh, last house on the left steel book that i'm arrow that i'm very happy well i'm not really happy with it there's some problems with that but i don't need that i don't need a 16 millimeter film you don't need to buy is this is what i've come to the conclusion is that if it's shot on 16 don't buy it on 4k there's no there's no reason so the hills have eyes i found out they put out a a, a steel book of that too and everyone said, yeah, that Blu-ray, the 2K is perfect. So I'm like, this will go good with my Last House on the Left steel book that they put out. So I, I pulled the trigger on a sealed, got a sealed copy of that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any need to buy. Because I was not really super happy, and I think it's just the film elements of Last House. I think there's only one decent print out there Yeah. that MGM had. And it's what you got on the DVD and that Blu-ray you were talking about earlier. And, um, yeah, so it could because I don't know what the MGM last house looks like, but that scene when Sadie comes out of the house at the end with the knife with the pool scene, they went in there. Okay, so the MGM DVD I have didn't do this, so I'm guessing they didn't fuck with it on the Blu-ray. This is Arrow doing mm-hmm. this thinking that there's and that i have a problem with this because okay so you went and you 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 restored the footage but now they shot that uh, day for night and so they darkened the scene for the effect to make it look like it's you know still night and what does arrow do they went in there and they bright they restored it to what it was shot like and it's like, eh, you're you're messing with something here that yeah. you're doing. You're going too far, and they went and brightened it, and now it's day. Right. Like, they went and brightened the scene, and I never saw a problem with that, actually. Oh, it's too dark, so we're going to go in and, like... So now you're playing filmmaker here, I think, with your restoration. And not only that, I don't, that, I don't know that, what the MGM looks like, but the last house on the left arrow is super fucking grainy. I mean, it looks, it, I'm my, my MGM or that, that other MGM with the Giallo cover, yeah. I think looks better. Yeah. The DVDs do, you know? Yeah, like I, like, I mean, it looked like a 60 millimeter print. And keep in mind, this was on my 1080p that I was, because I was working and I have a 1080p plasma in this room. Yeah. So, so like I when uh, I wasn't like watching the movie real closely, but when Craven was talking on the track, he said, "Oh, we shot this day for night," and he's like, "I was mm-hmm. skeptical, but I it turned that. it turned out really yep. good." And I looked up and I was watching it when uh, it's the, you're talking about the scene where she's going to uh, pretend to blow the guy. Where she comes guy. out of the house with the knife and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I was watching it like because day for night bugs me even in modern shit. I think it always looks yeah. fake, and it, it's pretty good. Like, but no, like it wasn't too dark and it wasn't like, you know. I, I know on the VHS, it was uh, the MGM VHS from yeah. 98, 99. Um, I know that looked a bit dark, but it was not, you know, it wasn't uh, to all a good night dark. Right. 
No, yeah, like I wouldn't yeah. even say it. Yeah, I wouldn't say this was dark. The MGM one was dark. Yeah. Like I like it, it didn't need to be lightened up. And, it, and that's my number one problem with restorations, especially when they go to 4K. Especially is like everything now when somebody restores it where the original filmmakers aren't involved or whatever. It's 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 always like redone either too dark or too bright, and it's like. And I know some people have this weird thing because it's like they don't have great displays or their displays aren't dialed in to where they like some people just think any brighter image is a better image. And like, I don't like that because when you artificially brighten or boost any even shit you shoot on video, anything like you lose um, visual quality by doing that because you're like. I see what Arrow is doing. They're like, "Oh, this was this had light, and we're gonna bring it. We're gonna bring it back up because obviously it was synthetically messed with. Yeah. But that was that was. There's a reason for it. It wasn't like, oh, this was blah blah blah, and the transfer. Now we're gonna fix it. No, you're not fixing anything. There's nothing to fix. This is on purpose. Like, yeah. this is what the filmmakers were intending to do. And you think that you're smarter than the filmmakers and you're not. So I might, if, if the MGM one didn't do that, then I probably, so those are two different transfers and I probably in like, I wasn't super impressed with their fucking extras either. Like they just ported everything yeah, over they, for that they, arrow Blu-ray. Yeah. So. They've been doing some lame extras. I gotta admit. Well, that was a, that was a while ago. And then like, the reason I got that steel book was because the only thing that was different with that big special edition mm-hmm. was that they had the soundtrack, uh, for the, for the film on CD, like, I don't know, man. For twenty five bucks, I can get uh, Mondo's vinyl, which I, you know, I talked to you about. I do a lot. Of, I've got two turntables. I've got a lot of vinyl. I've got a lot of soundtracks, and I'd rather have that. So that's on a perk. And the other, the other thing was that it had the sex, either the sex crime of the century or one of these alternative title cards. Yeah, Krug and, like, and Company. But it's not or a different. Yeah, Krug and Company, and I'm yeah. like, but I looked, and it's not even a different print, so I'm like, um, so you just have a title card on the MGM. It's, it's that print. And when I bought it, I, they were like, uncut. And, okay, but it's the same print that's been on the DVDs. Right. And on your Blu-ray, they didn't reinsert the Phyllis gutting scene. Even though yeah. I, that's what I thought they did. I was like, oh, did you guys go and splice? Because if you went and splice that back together, then that is the longest cut in existence. That's the only thing that's missing that was in the original theatrical when they, you know, struck those prints. Um, so, yeah. yeah you, what else did you get? Yeah, so so jumping back. I was trying to find some screen grabs of that arrow cut to see, see what you're talking about because I didn't realize that. I just... I don't know, like, I have a weird thing, too, because... Oh, of Last House? Yeah, like, I have a weird thing, oh, too, is I, like... You don't have that. No, I just have the MGM right? one. Yeah. And... I'm gonna get the MGM one now, because that bugged me about yeah. them. I like... Don't get me wrong, I think everything's great on it. The grain is, like, I like that they left the grain, and they didn't remove it. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be grainy and stuff, that's cool. Um, but yeah, that just bought that, that little thing bothered me. I, I didn't hear a comment. I, I just looked at it and was like, I know what the fuck you did, Rady. This is not normal. Cause I've seen this movie like a hundred times. Yeah. Like, I mean, so. it, and that's touchy too, is like, everybody's going to have preferences, but like, I just have yeah. a thing where like, 
like 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 I like when I bought what was it Dress to Kill, I could get the MGM version or I could get the Criterion version. And I didn't even know there was an MGM Blu-ray. I thought yeah. that there was just the two DVDs. And I think Newt said something about there being an MGM Blu-ray too. And yeah. I, I looked on eBay, and it goes for relatively cheap. But I was like, it does. Nah, it's probably not as good of a trans. It's probably just an older. Like they transferred it back when they did the DVD or something, like Don May did with Thriller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's like I don't know. Like I don't know. Like like put it this way if you do a new 4k scan of something it's going to look better than something that was on 2k scan but at the same time is like i don't know like i i rather i like i said before i get nervous when somebody's like oh i'm such a fan of this film i'm going to make it look like the way it's never looked before let me restore it i kind of rather see what the studio like like right. no no offense but like with all the mistakes criterion's made over the years mm-hmm. with replacement discs and shout factory and everybody else i like in general and i'm not saying major studios don't also botch this but in general like especially like in the past when studios or like their home video divisions were big and had good people working in them. Like I felt like you got a higher quality, like a lot of this boutique product, like some of it's great, but like, like a lot of people like kind of like shit on, on Kino as being one of the lower level boutiques. Cause they're like, they, a lot of times they just use the transfer that the studio game. I was like, yeah, dude. No but, shit. But, 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 but <laughs> they but, go with what works. <laughs> but a lot of the time, those transfers that were done by the studio were done by people who literally did it all the time. Whereas, right. like, you have these other like, like we use, yeah, we use I such and this. such production company, which has been doing Blu-ray transfers for three years now, and it's like, come on, dude. Like, I will give Don May credit. I've given him shit on past pod, not your podcast. This is my first yeah. time being on here, but. Um, yeah, the Suspiria fucking transfer. Oh, dude, you're, you're pro. You're pro. I just don't like how you do stuff with your boutique, per se. And yeah. I mean, it seems to be a lot of these boutiques have been doing. He's not some. I gotta say that, like, the one that we know that runs sales constantly, they've been doing some seriously questionable shit in the past year. Like,. Pressure. Who, who, like, call it, call it out. You're, you're allowed to call it anybody I, on this podcast. Call them out because they were very friendly about my replacement fucking slip cases and box. And oh, stuff okay. On okay. That release and no, they were really cool. The gal was like, that was pretty redeeming. Like I gotta say, their customer service is top notch. I, w- uh, I wonder because if... she was like, what's? She, I showed her the pictures and she was like. Oh, were they all the slip cases? And I was honest. I could have got the other. I could have yeah. got the undamaged slip cases. They were ready, and they came in like three days. Yeah. That's how quick it fucking moved. And I was like, "Wow, you guys!" And they communicated like to the hilt. Yeah. Um, she kept saying, "Hey, they're on the way," and they were. It wasn't no bullshit. Like yeah. the slip cases came faster than the pre-order. Like the pre-order, I was like, "Come on, uh, right, grandpa's fucking whatever." We got the whole family and like the ba- the two-year-old baby's fucking packing. Yeah, <laughs> no. I, I I I can't remember her name, but I think that's yeah. the same. I'm pretty sure that's got to be somebody's wife or something i don't i don't know who it is i just remember yeah. the female's name which surprised me working for that company um yeah and i agree like like i'm not really down with their, 
They're marketing. They're, they're We're used say car they're marketing sales uh, techniques. Yeah. But I had to, I had to contact them because uh, they were doing replacement discs for Flesh or Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, oh, that gave some of it away. Yeah. No, and, put uh, that out. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that gave it away. But who cares? Yeah. But uh, but I had moved, so I t- I was like, this is my new address, and she was like, you know, she responded. She was really cool. So it's like, yeah, like like I'm not even like I don't know. The, I'll just put it this way: the only people that are on my like shit list is Arrow Video. Yep, that's why this is not brought to you by Arrow yeah, Video. Not Although I just ready. picked up two fucking Arrow Video, but they're two Ks. I'm staying away yeah. from their four Ks. Stay, from stay on the two Ks, baby. Because uh, you're like the two Ks are gold with them. Have they had any replacement Blu-rays though? Replacement Blu-rays. Yeah. I thought there was one, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I thought there was one a while ago. And, you know, like, I've had pretty good luck in the replacement disc game, honestly. Like, I had a few that took a while to came. Uh, Shout Factory was actually pretty good about it. Um, um, There was one that I didn't even bother with replacement, Black Christmas. It was like, on the 2.0 stereo track, this is the wrong mix. And I'm like... (laughs) I'm it like, sounded fine to me. Well, no, I just I'm always going to listen to the five point one that's on there. So like I did, oh, okay. I, was, I was like I'm not going to make you pay the five bucks to mail me a disc, right. and then I'm going to have a, a extra disc out of the case and like whatever. Right. But um, but no, but it, it just like I don't know. Like I like transfers that are film like, and I, you know, I don't like anything that looks like a beat, beat up piece of shit like you know grindhouse print or anything. But I will, for the most part, uh, I will take a lot of the stuff that I've gotten over the years, especially like the MGM 2K scans, where people are like, "Oh, this release of New Year's Evil is is from an ancient scan." Oh, and I'm like, okay, and you watch it, the grain is intact, they haven't fucked with it, there's no DNR, like it looks like a film. Print. Oh, that's the uh, the Kino. Yeah, or or yeah. or the shout factory. No, I the yeah, I don't have the Kino of that, but I have the shout factory, and I have like the eighty eight films. Well, which is isn't the New Year's Evil Kino? Didn't that just come it is out, now? Or... Yeah, they did the re- yeah. the American repress, but um. Yeah, I lo- I heard good things about that transfer. Yeah. Uh, actually, from uh, you know who uh the the Kentucky shilling motherfucker. Oh, okay. He, he, but he got a screener too, so I mean he was yeah. probably felt obligated to. Uh, but he he put it he put it over. I don't know if that was a I don't know if that's a 4K or just a 2K. It's a Blu-ray. I'm looking oh, at it I'm looking it up the, now. I love the the okay. cover and yeah. and the, the cover's the, awesome. The use, yeah, everything looks great on it. So I, it definitely was on my list, but I haven't. It had, gone to the discs hasn't said hey it's out order it now like or i mean yeah I it's it, it's, so. it's out uh yeah it's 18 bucks it wasn't on sale but it, it's a brand the kino of new year's evil is a brand new 2k master which yeah which which like if you see are you gonna get it or you're gonna yeah, get it when it's cheap i'll get it when it's cheap i'll probably miss yeah. out on the slip cover because you're double because you're double dipping i'm triple dipping dude triple dipping because because you like that movie that much i saw yeah. like once i vaguely oh, I remember it. it i love but it dude i i think you were telling me i made zach I do it on the show it. and he didn't like it yeah. i felt bad yeah yeah but so uh, what else have i oh i picked up um <laughs> I picked up a few other. They were not. They were not sealed, but they were used. I was like, 
I think this is how Goat does it when he doesn't want to spend a lot of money on something. He buys stuff from a reputable seller that's used. You're yeah, telling me. I, I, I got some used stuff recently that, other than the fact it didn't have shrink cap on it, like yeah. even the even the outside case was mint. You know what I mean? I've never bought. This is the first time I've ever bought Blu-rays that were used yeah. from somebody. Um, but I bought. Because I was like, I don't, I never, and I, when I watched it, I was like, yep, I don't think I, I don't know how I missed this one, but I never saw it back in the VHS days, and I rented a lot of slashers, and I saw the remake, and it is the Toolbox Murders, because I was hearing okay. all kinds of, like, good shit, dude. Yeah. The start of this movie is fucking brutal. I mean, this guy, this has, like, uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and Maniac feeling, like, obviously it predates those, so... But heavy maniac, like where this dude's. Uh, have you seen it? No, I haven't. I haven't seen either. I haven't seen the original or the remake. Oh, and I want to see the remake with Angela Vetta. Yeah, yeah didn't Toby direct, direct that too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun, but this is not like I don't know. Maybe you need to see the original first because yeah, I probably should. It, the remake, you'll really like the remake. I'm sure because it's got a better. I want to say it's got a better plot. But, like, if you're into slash, oh, yeah, like, it's got New York Ripper feel, too. But, like, yeah. this predates it. But uh, Cameron Mitchell's in it. And that's actually, like, he gets into this whole, like, diatribe scene where, like, because, well, I don't want to give, I guess I'll be spoiling it. So, but Cameron Mitchell's in it. Anyway, the the opening, the, the, these, I got to say, the victims in this fucking movie legitimately look scared. Mm-hmm. And it's got porn star uh, Kelly Nichols where she's uh, masturbating in this bathtub and then dude comes in with a fucking nail. Oh, yeah, it's like Driller Killer was and Nail the, Gun Massacre, but predates them. Was the so. original American or Italian made? I think it's American film. Okay. I'm, I do, it, there's no Italian actors. I mean, Kelly Nichols is a fucking yeah. uh, New York porn porn star. But, yeah, she's, like, fingering herself in the bathtub and, like, we get a great we get like i don't know 10 minutes of that and her having a good time and then dude just shows in shows up with a ski mask on and a fucking nail gun and comes in her door breaks into her house randomly it's just it is so grimy and like i don't know i mean you'll see and you'll be like well i've seen more hardcore slashers but just like knowing the time period and stuff and how it predates a lot of the i think it's 77 so this predates like everything really but it's you'll get some heavy maniac joe spinell vibes off of it so and the other one i picked up because i don't know i just don't know that i don't know if this was shot on 16 or not and i don't know how good the 4k would be so i just went ahead and got the funhouse uh blu-ray okay okay yeah, I, the both discs came and they were clean, and I was yeah. just so happy with uh, these two purchases that I hadn't seen Fun Out. Actually, I never, I don't, no, I did see Fun House on a, a DVD. It was that four pack with uh, and Phantasm too, yeah. and maybe there was something else. I can't remember what the other movie. Oh, Serpent and the Rainbow, I think, was on that. Yeah, I saw the Fun House on TV a lot as a kid, and yeah. um, the last time I watched it was actually the last uh, movie i watched on streaming 
or just any movie I watched uh, in my apartment in LA before I moved because like everything was packed up. All I had was my computer monitor, so I did Netflix streaming. They actually had the Funhouse, and then I bought that Blue like as soon as it came out, and I you know got it and I watched all the special features. Like I don't think I've ever watched the movie all the way through oh. on Blu-ray. Oh, okay. I watched the movie, but then I I I ran through the special features and I really enjoyed the commentary with uh t- actually i like it sounds like that commentary was done around the same time he did uh salem's lot because i listened mm. to that one um i picked up that four pack because i always wanted salem's lot on yeah. the, the 2k and so there's the stephen king four pack with cat's eye and yeah. i think it's on there and something else yeah but, i had bought all those separately and then like two months later they did that four pack <laughs> No, that four packs night. I yeah. love the. I think it's got a slip cover, or whatever. It's fun. I got yeah. it from Dollar General. I saw it, and I already bought Cat's Eye, and I was like, "I'm I gonna have Cat's to double Eye. dip yeah. because where else am I? I've never seen that. I gotta have Salem's Lot. I just yeah. gotta have this fucking movie, and I don't care that I'm double dipping. So, and, but and, no, it sounds like the commentaries are recorded around the same time because yeah. his voice sounds. Yeah, fairly gri- around the same, you know, same grizzled sound. So yeah. you might have done them like in the same month. <laughs> so so jumping jumping back to my uh, pickups, whatever. The next one on my list is uh, which just sucks because I wasn't recording. Uh, we missed out on you laughing at me for getting Cabin Boy, but oh yeah, but uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting that one. But the next one at eleven ninety nine. This was a recent release that came out like a month ago, and I've been wanting it. Blind by, I've never seen it. It's a TV movie called I'm Dangerous Tonight, starring Madchen Amick. Is that her name? I like her, but directed by our boy Tobey Hooper. So I never heard of that. I yeah. just got a I just got a rip of a of a Wes Craven TV movie that I don't think's. It's a VHS rip, and it's Night Visions. Okay, and yeah, I haven't seen, seen that. that. I haven't watched that yet. Have you seen it? No, I haven't, but I want to. Okay, I didn't yeah, know where it I don't was think available. It's, yeah, I just have a VHS rip of it because i'm looked around i don't think it's out on dvd or anything i think that's all you can get is but i haven't watched it yet so well how's the tv movie toby hooper tv movie pretty good i don't know i've never seen it i never heard about it until kino announced the blue and people were shocked like that's coming out on blue and i'm just like it's like i was like it's toby hooper it's from a time period it's basically like when he went to tv after all his canon movies bombed you know like the early 90s i was like i want to see this like like i, I want it in the collection because i'm I've pretty sure i'm pretty it. sure if it ever goes out of print nobody else will ever put it out again you know what i mean didn't you tell me you've never seen eaten alive I've never seen Eaten Alive, dude. So how are you getting this fucking drinky dink fucking and not picking up Eaten Alive? Because if you like, dude, it's the triple threat. It's or no, it's actually these four movies that he did. Because uh, uh, well, Funhouse is eighty, right? But Chainsaw, Salem's Lot, Eaten Alive, and Funhouse—they all have that. Uh, Funhouse is a little bit more has got a little bit more studio feel to it but you know it's still got a little bit of that toby hooper actually it's kind of funhouse feels like salem's lot yeah it does the feel of it and then eating alive feels like chainsaw 
but like yeah it's it almost feels like it's a sequel to chainsaw it's like Which... instead of leatherface it's a fucking it's this alligator Dude, I, I think it's just one of those things. I've never come across a copy of Eaten Alive on TV. Dark Sky, Dark. I, dude, I don't. I'm I'm thinking about upgrading to the Blu-ray. So if you, I've got the Dark Sky DVD two disc. If like, if you're really like on the fence, I'll send you the DVD once I get, pick up the Blu-ray, and you can make you can watch it, and then. I mean, it wouldn't be that bad either because it's kind of got a grindhouse grainy feel. Of course, Robert yeah. England, fuck, and he's here to fuck, so mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Paid homage, and uh, well, I gotta yeah. speed it up here because I need to get to my pizza. It's almost ten o'clock Rush. at night. So, what else did you pick up? Okay, at four forty-nine, blind buy. But I kind of remember the trailers of this movie as a kid. <laughs> this is another one to laugh at me. Um, What's his name? Bronson Pinchot, Balky. Uh huh. He's the uh-huh. he's the cl- crazy bellboy and blame it on the bellboy. I never saw that fucking. I never. Movie. It was four forty nine. I had to take a swing. I think a lot of these cheap ones are about to go to print. This is a movie I just watched. I threw the trailer on because I was like, oh, this interesting cast like Eric Stoltz and some people. It's just some early nineties kind of slacker romance movie called Bodies Rest in Motion. And then, Stoltz is in that? I'll yeah. watch anything with him, man. I've never heard of it. but Yeah, and for like five bucks or whatever it is. And this is like a cheesy movie, but I remember this on the VHS shelf like all the fucking time. So like, And I tried to watch it on cable, and I just like gave up a year ago. So I don't even know why I bought it. Well, I do know why I bought it. It's just the cast. So The Favor, one of the early movies with Brad Pitt, Bill Pullman, and Ken Wall, and they're like they're trying to romance like Elizabeth McGovern and some other chicks. That was uh, four forty nine. Have not seen it. Yeah, um, I you're getting some obscure shit. I, huh? I, I always do, especially when it's cheap. Because yeah. um, I figure if it's it's a five bucks or less bat, and I hate it, I'll just flip it at the local used store for a buck. And what am I out? That's- that's a better deal than what fucking uh, Severin's trying to clear out their damn DVDs that they don't want anymore for five bucks a yeah. pop, and you got Blu-rays for the yeah. for less than that. So yeah. yeah. So this is the next one. Let's see. Let me. So for five ninety nine. So this is, we're getting up, we're getting high dollar here. See now you see why I don't want to pay three hundred bucks for a No Man's Land. <laughs> Um, that is, you'll never find that unless we can find it online but you'll yeah. never that's one of a kind buddy so this is a movie i kind of always wanted to actually see um for six bucks we're talking about gun shy with liam neeson and sandra bullock it's like a i've seen that cover i've never read it yeah Man, you read the, it's like this a, is all the shit i would have passed at the video I store know. in the 90s well, I, I passed on it too, but um, <laughs> you're like till now. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch some literally from the year 2000. Sandra Bullock and Liam Neeson. Like, if it was made in 2000, it can't be that bad compared to the shit now. Th- this yeah, next, I, 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 I agree. Okay. This next one, nine ninety nine. This is a movie. One of the, oh, one, you spent some money, buddy. Yeah, nine ninety nine. I was like, should I? Because it's a blind buy. It's risky. But I'm like, I wanted to see this movie so fucking bad when I was a kid, and I couldn't get my dad to take me to see it. He was like, it looks so shitty. Fucking heart beeps with Andy Kaufman as a plastic robot. It's about two robots. I've never heard of this. You never heard of it? Dude, it's like from like 1982 or something. And it's the bizarre, it's the bizarrest thing. 
it's called instead of like heartbeat it's heart beefs and it's a robot love story so andy kaufman plays a plastic robot who's the who's the girl in it oh bernadette pay i'm sorry i can't talk bernadette peters and our boy randy quaid's in it too oh it's a romantic science it's from 1981 so i would have been four years old begging my dad to take me to see heartbeats and he went your dad was probably right he was probably right (laughs) but but they're like like you do you remember those like commercials from the 90s those battery commercials of like the family that were like plastic skin people they were like Kind I don't like, think I, I think that might have been before my time. I was born in 86, so. Okay, maybe you're It would have been like 80, 80, at least 87 to 89 is when I started remembering commercials. So it literally looks like, it literally looks like um, Andy Kaufman, like, as a plastic robot. Like, it's his face, everything. Um, yeah. It's, so he's kind of in it, but he's not in it. Yeah. So. Like I don't know if it's I think it's probably him in the suit. Like it's right. gotta be. But he's he's got a mask. On. He's got a mask. On. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but and then there's like actual like robot robots like R two D two looking type robots. Yeah. But they're all like cheesy nineteen fifties. Like there's one that's like a big bucket head who smokes a cigar and shit. But like yeah, like and I'm pretty sure this was a pretty notorious flop. But our boy Stan Winston got nominated for an Oscar for it. So, but he didn't win. No, he for, lo- building, for making the suit. Yes. Oh my god. He he lost to um our boy um, uh Rick Baker for American Werewolf in London. That's why he well, didn't. Well, no shit. Oh my god, that's a no brainer right there. Yeah. Obviously. He, but he made a Stan's like why did he probably got the offer to do he's like no I'm gonna do this movie with uh, Andy Kaufman I think it's gonna do better yeah <laughs> you think he turned down the offer to yeah do it? he turned down America Werewolf they're like we want to get Stan Winston but he's doing this movie this robot movie with fucking Andy Kaufman so he's like sorry guys my studio's booked I'm too busy doing this <laughs> alright so so the next one we're talking about 549 this is a blind buy i was always curious about this movie but the drew barrymore movie mad love where she plays the girl with mental illness that uh chris o'donnell's trying to love and the reason i bid on it, it was sounds familiar yeah it was a pretty mainstream movie in the 90s yeah. like around 95 96 and it's like they kind of like run away or go on a road trip or something and she's got like she's hot but she's got mental illness and shit and i watched that movie gun crazy with her and her boy james legro not too long ago and i fell in love with that movie so i'm like if this is even like one tenth of that movie like i mean that was like a crime movie where they're killing people i know that's not what mad love is about but i'm just like even if it's a drama and she's a somewhat similar character i'll go for it look man hot girls with mental illnesses it's like the story of my life yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of listeners out here are like, yeah, I always fall for the hot girls that have mental illness. <laughs> it was. Oh, good. So um, this next one is a double dip. I have the DVD, but I'm trying to collect all the Dario Gerno films. So I double dipped. Uh, we're talking high dollar here, double dip too. Uh-oh. 11 dollars that's I paid more for that deep red fucking Blu-ray. Jeez, high dollar. But yeah, Dario Argento is the fan of the opera. 
And um, I never saw that. Nan, do you got Stendhal? Me and Go or me and uh, Newt were talking about uh, Stendhal syndrome. That's got to be number two for me. I love Stendhal syndrome. Yeah, I got it. I, I mean, but I, is that Blue Underground? Because like I remember the VHS was not. I just felt like that was not shot. It feels like the same cameras they used to shoot like the british tv like mr bean and shit like that that's how the dvd looked the blu-ray in terms of the colors is better but there i think i think blue underground even did like a remastered but i have the original first blue underground and it's a mess it's like the grain is like strobing like like i have to play with my settings and like put it on a certain setting tv so it's not distracting so i think isn't there a 4k that just came out i think it got announced but yeah i'm gonna pick up that 4k whoever's doing (laughs) it uh, because i need i need to replace this underground is doing it because they did the the toolbox murders in 4k so they're doing for yeah i don't know if they are but i know they're doing they have the rights to a lot of the uh dario argento stuff and i know they put out Mm. that uh blu-ray of stendhal i know it's just but sometimes the 4k rights are separate though like it's it's so that one that's strobing is blue underground yeah it's the first i know they put out a remastered one but it's it's the first one and i was just like i'm not buying your shit again they want they they want a lot uh you know that that uh, toolbox murders looks great and i know they did a 4k but i think i don't know if i need that in 4k so yeah, I need I need Stendhal in 4K too. Uh, I need Stendhal just in HD. Jeez. Yeah. But decent, not something fucked up. Yeah, so. not fucked up. I'm trying. I'm trying to find out Blu-ray.com. I I can't find who's doing the Stendhal. Unless... It's probably Blue Underground, man. I actually hope it's not. <laughs> You're like after that whole strobing shit. Yeah. So while you look around, I my grand finale of my last thing I bought was another used disc, but uh, this one I should have grabbed when it came out, and I picked up Grindhouse Releasings, uh, which is out of print. Well, the slip boxes, I got the uh, Drink Your Blood with the box that it goes into. Mm. $29, but this thing's going for like a lot more. Uh, I This was auction, and... There was only one other guy bidding, and I did like one of those last minute, two second bid high, and yeah, I got it for twenty nine dollars. I think shipped. Yeah, I. I do you have that release? Like, have you seen? I drink your blood. I thought I, you told me you didn't. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Well, you need to get on. Sir. Yeah. Please, please do. The shitty strobing version of Stendhal syndrome is going for 40 bucks new on amazon who would pay that it's it's a it's a notoriously well, terrible transfer the uh the blue underground one i saw was quite expensive and i think they have copies in stock they have so. like a, a newer like because this came out like i think it's a 2009 there's like a 2017 re-release blue underground did but maybe um, they fixed that strobing yeah. i'll probably i'll probably roll the dice well is that on your 4k tv that's doing that? That, that not well both but but i noticed oh, it on right. my 1080 ptv dude that's how bad it was oh see i'm wondering if it was like enhanced by the 4K no if TV or yeah because i mean sometimes it does show bad but like if you you can find threads and shit about it i i haven't read the reviews of the remastered i was just holding out 
hoping somebody else will do it. But yeah, I can't. I did hear that too that Stendhal was coming to 4K. Maybe it's maybe it's yeah. a VS doing it. I would buy their shit. Well, yeah, I mean, Over if they did a decent, I mean, geez, you know, what's up with the Chainsaw, Chainsaw 2? I just finally, I I ordered that German that's on the way. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not biting on that. I'm, I'm, again, I'm keeping with the Well, MGM they haven't blue. even, like, revealed any artwork or anything, oh, yeah. and it's like, they're what are you doing They're too busy here? jerking off of a roadhouse. Well, yeah, it's like they announced uh, the TCM2 uh, 4K, like, back at the beginning of the summer and i thought that was going to be their biggest title and they're like we got amityville and roadhouse coming out yeah. we, we forgot all about that release it's like uh i thought it was coming out in the fall here at least you'd and i announced it they're I probably you'd saving it, it for October. the christmas sales or something that makes no sense and fuck roadhouse i mean amityville's cool and amityville like, is I don't cool know, like yeah, I'm surprised you haven't uh, pulled the trigger, especially with the sale going on, sir, this weekend. And uh... <laughs> dude, I got I got the box set with Amityville in it with the Blu-ray. I was happy with the Blu-ray, dude. Dude, like I was thinking about that because when they announced that Amityville, and I was just kind of like, that's kind of like a meh. I was hoping it was something that's not really widely already available. You know what I mean? But there isn't a 4K of that out, is there? Are they the first ones to put the 4K out? I'm sure they are, they but were, dude, yeah. who cares? Like that movie's always. Did you get the Did you get the Dollhouse one and the four pack no, of the no. other the janky ass fucking versions from them? I I have the Screen Factory box set of the first three. I like what people don't understand is those other movies. Three sucks too. I don't like it. Are you it's kidding like, me? Three's awesome, dude. What are you? Are you kidding me? Two's the when best. the monster comes out of the well and the hole. It's yeah. fucking. It's the the guy in the rubber Isn't, mask. Wasn't that in 3D too? Yes, and the yeah. 3D will Do give you, you seizures. Yes, and the 3D will okay. give you seizures and make your eyes cross. It's so fucked up and grainy. Sounds like the Stendhal fucking transfer. <laughs> it kind of is, but in 3D. Kind of is, but in 3D. So yeah, so the next one was a blind buy, another four forty nine blind buy. I've always been curious about this movie because it just looks weird. It's called a Pyromaniac's Love Story with Billy Baldwin in it. It's just another one I've always seen at the video store and never got I've to never watch. Heard, I'll have to see the cover. Or, yeah. I don't think I've ever. He oh, almost oh. looks like a like it look. I, it's probably not, but he looks kind of sleazy. I think he's like in a trench coat on the cover and he's like looking at some woman. But um. The next one, it's not really a blind buy, but it's it's just a movie I haven't seen since I rented the VHS. But the real McCoy, this was nine ninety nine. Mm, the real yeah. McCoy with uh, Val Kilmer and and yeah. Kim Basinger, and like that was a pretty big movie when it came out. It was, it was. I'm, I'm, yeah, I remember renting it. Like, uh, but I don't know, like Val Kilmer, especially with his illness. Like, we're not getting any more Val Kilmer <laughs> movies, so. I kind of seen it on sales and shit, and I well, waffled wasn't Val Kilmer in Top Gun the new top gun i heard he was he was yeah i yeah. I, I watched the bootleg of his scene that's that's the only part of the movie i cared about oh. he you had... didn't go to the theater to see that one buddy i thought you'd been all over that fucking retro pile of poop <laughs> dude i didn't like the first top gun when i was like whatever seven years I, old i didn't thing. like it i never liked that movie either it's like i'd rather see like i already told you what i want to see i want to see days of thunder too I, I, I could go with that cold trickle i had the little cars from yeah. hardy's that you give the the meal or whatever. oh wow yeah i'm not even into like nascar or anything that this movie is just 
I don't know, Rooker. Yeah. And I already told you, the perfect sequel. The, the mellow yellow was car listening. was so cool when I was a kid. Everybody loved the mellow yellow car he drives in it. But, yeah. But I kind of liked the, the other car he drove in it, the white and pink one. That was kind of cool. But it, it just totally makes sense that they need to do a sequel. Mar- Michael Rooker's game, I know he is. He's I, another, I like, almost I'm pulled ready. the trigger yesterday on it. I've never owned a copy of Days of Thunder. I almost pulled oh. the trigger. The 4K was thirteen ninety nine, but I didn't wow. do it. Where's that at? It was at Best Buy. That's but, like my favorite Tom Cruise movie is Days of Thunder. The oh, one- I like... I like Hill, um, uh, Eyes Wide Shut, too, as well. So. I love Eyes Wide Shut. I love Color of yep. Money. I love losing it. Did losing it a couple months ago. Um, risky business. You probably already have a 4K. There is no 4K risky business. I I thought there was a 4K. No, not a risky business. You're like I would know because I would have. I it. would know. I would have. <laughs> it. Um, this next one, I I can't remember if I've seen this movie or not, but it's always on sale and it's always for 4.49. I'm like, I'm just gonna fucking buy it. <laughs> The Rich Man's Wife with Halle Berry, early '90s Halle Berry. Never seen it. I love Halle Never Berry. Never seen it. I've heard of it. I watch all her shitty movies. Okay, now this one, this next one, another blind buy. I think I've seen parts of it on cable before. Another four forty nine, and I was totally smelling the no man's land fumes here. But Roommate, starring DB Sweeney and Peter Falk, is like DB Sweeney's like a college age guy. And uh, he, he he needs, like, uh, I don't know what happens, but his, like, 80-year-old grandpa moves in with them, and they become roommates. Um, yeah, that, I I've was... I've never t- seen that. The only other D.V. Sweeney movie I've seen is Fire in the Sky. Really? I was looking at his, um... you never seen Cutting Edge? Because uh, I got that on Blue no. recently. Yeah. Cutting no, Edge is an a ice skating movie he was in. Cutting? <laughs> <laughs> it was... That's a great title. Okay, listen to this story and tell me you wouldn't watch this motion picture. There is a, Maura Kelly plays a, a Olympic hopeful, um, like a ice skating queen, but her partner gets an injury or he quits. I can't remember which. DB Sweeney is he can't make it in the the minor leagues of hockey anymore. He's a hockey player. He like uh, he gets cut from his team. He gets offered paid money to learn figure skating and be this girl because they need a strong guy to like pick her up and throw her up in the air and shit. So the whole movie is about him learning how to do figure skating with her and and they fall in love. And it's all about. I could see DV Sweeney being. It's good, dude. It's 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 actually good, and it's honestly it's good because of DV Sweeney, and I like DV Sweeney. But but No Man's Land is he's not bad in No Man's Land, but that's not his best performance. He got better as an no. actor as as he went along. I'll say that. Well, yeah, no, he's way better, and uh, and people might disagree with me. I know there's a lot of people that don't really like the film, but Fire in the Sky. Oh, I love Fire. He's amazing. Was like that's probably yeah, his and best. I need to pick up that uh, pick up that Blu-ray that came out. But I heard that the um, that other one we were looking at. I think you brought that to my the attention. Import? The other one. The import one, yeah. yeah. I can't remember who put I'm, it out. I'm kind of waffling like back and forth. Features. Yeah. I think that one's got better, better special features. It has like a commentary, and I don't mm-hmm. think that the the new one has, uh, the U.S. one has a commentary. But I think the other one's region free. It's just really yeah. expensive. Yeah, because I think, it, I think was it was, a, what was it, 40 it was, bucks I think it was or imprint. Something? It was like Australian imprint. boutique. Yeah. Their shit's always expensive. 
But well, I'm dipping into this now foreign stuff because I've got that uh, Blu-ray from Turbine of TCM2, which is, okay. I love the cover. And then, you know what I went and did and I fucked up? I, I was like, well, I'll get another German title that's really hard to find. And I don't know if you've seen this film. It's the uh, French uh, New Wave, from the French New Wave Martyrs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have and the I DVD. had the uh, DVD originally yeah. and then ended up selling the it. The Weinstein DVD. It. Yeah, not because I hated the movie. So apparently there's a Blu-ray, uh, a Region 1 Blu-ray, but it's like uh, out of print and super yeah. expensive. And uh, so I ordered this German one and there's no fucking, there's no English subtitles. I did. Oh, I God. That's, yeah, that's a yeah. bad mistake. I had yeah. that. I had that happen to me. I'm a big fan of the Pusher trilogy from Nicholas Winding Refn, and like the only place it really came out, um, uh, it's it's like whatever countries from. I, don't, I can't remember right. Sweden or, or Denmark or whatever. And so so like it only came out in Blu-ray and I think Germany. So my dad like got it to me and it came in a steel book. I'm like, oh, the Pusher trilogy, no fucking subtitles. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, if I ever want to watch this movie again, it's Region One DVD only. Sucks. Well, guess what? There's like, I think that imprint or some, yeah, I think it's imprint is putting out a Blu-ray, a re-release Blu-ray, or someone is uh, another import, but it's actually gonna have English subtitles on it. Oh, okay. It's just like it's up for pre-order right now, but it, it was like, it was more because I only paid like, I paid a lot for this fucking Blu-ray. It pisses me off. I paid like seventeen, eighteen bucks. Yeah. That's, for it and that's, I'm kind that's, of pissed I'm like, and you can't well, even flip it now that's what sucks well what am I going to do try to send it and I've got to ship it back to Germany it's like well I'm, e- I'm basically going to eat this purchase and it's my yeah. fault it's not yeah. actually it's not coming from Germany What? why I really thought that it would be alright and I didn't think I needed to look at it was because there's this guy that's selling these German imports or just different imports and he's from the UK so it's like okay Okay, so why are you selling a German import in the... Obviously, people are in the UK. Like, how many people speak German? Like, yeah. why would you have a German import that doesn't... He unless, probably unless got a Blu-ray. stack of them cheap. Yeah. yeah, that's the only thing I could think, but he's making, like, quite a bit of money. And I then I looked it up, and if I had ordered off, like, Germany's Amazon, I could have got it for, like, six bucks. Yeah. But I would have had to pay... Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know how... It would have been the know, same with shipping. Works. Yeah. Well, no, this I get. I'm getting free shipping on these, so I didn't cost. But it was no because you're getting free shipping. His prices, like I looked up that chainsaw, and I could have gotten it from like again German Amazon for like five dollars cheaper. But I think he's rolling some of the shipping into it because he's offering free shipping. Yeah. So I don't know why, but I was gonna order uh, trick or treat too. Because uh, that's a uh, German. That's the only German, and I've seen this Blu-ray rip and or this rip from the from the Blu-ray, and it looks great. I don't think it's coming out. I don't think it's ever going to come out here. So yeah, probably not. It I know sucks. you like that film a lot, right? Trick or Treat. Yeah, I do. But um. So what? You pick up anything else? Oh yeah. Um. So let's see. Five more to go on the list. Holy shit, dude! You yeah. a lot. But dude, here's the, okay. Here's the thing, dude. <laughs> I got whatever I got here. Twenty movies for the cost of that that Halloween 4K set of like three movies. You know what I'm saying? 
Did you order that? Too? No, no. Oh, Dude, I need that to come down in price big time to jump on that. It's not going to. <laughs> I, I find that hard to believe because I, I remember when I thought I got the deal of the century on the Friday the 13th box set at like 126 shipped, and now you can get it and everywhere. And it was like 80 like, or 75 or something? Not that low, but 100, uh -huh. you know what I mean? So I'm like, I just need the Halloween set because I think the cheapest I've seen is like 104, and I'm like... I need like I would jump in a second. You're a Halloween at, at, fanatic. I am. I would jump in a second at sixty, but I I needed to get to eighty. You're or, such a fanatic. I was thinking you need to trade me um that uh Night of the Living Dead uh what is it Twilight whatever release for mm -hmm. my uh, blockbuster video uh VHS of Halloween for your display, brother. I mean, I'll, 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 if 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 you want that release that twilight time i would give you so much better fucking i don't know like i'll that. do a trade but i i have no use for the hollow the blockbuster halloween. it's for your just it's for your halloween display brother didn't you work did you tell me you worked at a blockbuster come on no i worked at hollywood video oh okay yeah. all right same oh. thing right yeah same <laughs> shit but yeah so so this is another blind buy but i've always wanted to see this movie 5.99 the uh, Demi Moore and Gary Oldman version of the Scarlet Letter from the 90s. No, nope, never seen it. Always want to see it. So this one is, uh, again, completing the Argento collection, 999, the movie Sleepless, Dario Argento, which I have seen once. I rented it on DVD years ago with Max von Sydow. I remember that one being a little bit of a snoozer, but I think it's going to come off better seeing it in HD. Is that late 90s that came out? Yeah, like maybe 98, 99. It yeah. might even be 2000s, honestly. I think I skipped that one. Yeah, I've seen I it. I just recently watched Mother of Tears. Not as bad as everyone said. It's not great, but it's not that bad. Okay, Sleepless is 2001. Hmm. Yeah, Mother's Mother of Tears, and by the way, I'm, I'm I totally stick up for Dario Geno's Dracula, so I'm not I'm not like I picked that up not a couple yeah. like three dude, months especially ago the, the 3D, it's so cool when a fucking Dracula turns into a giant grasshopper, it's so awesome, dude. Um, so I'm not against his schlock shit, but the Mother of Tears just kind of left me like cold. I was like, what is this? Like, it just seemed like sh I don't know. So you didn't like it. I, nah, I don't like I've only watched it once, but I didn't like it, no. This is another movie, 549. It's always on sale in the Kino sales. They can't get rid of it. But I'm, I'm kind of become a closet Melanie Griffith fan, so A Stranger Among Us. She plays like a policewoman. I think she goes like undercover somewhere. It might even be like in an Amish country or some shit like that. But this next one, this is a complete blind buy to me. Uh... This next one is five ninety nine. I've never heard of it. It's from like nineteen eighty seven. It's called Talking Walls with Sybil Danning, Sally Kirkland, and Don Kalfa, who's in Returning Living Dead. Is a Scorpion I, release. It's a, is it a comedy? I don't think so. Like the cover is like a guy. He hangs it sounds out. Familiar. He hangs out at a sleazy hotel, and he like he basically spies on hookers all day. Uh, it says, like any red-blooded American male, Paul Barton lives for romance and intimacy, but his desire to find the key to a lasting relationship, Barton carries voyeurism to the point of obsession and beyond. Armed with state-of-the-art equipment, he begins an unusual college research project. 
determined research, to, yeah. Yeah, determined <laughs> to find the source of true passion. Check this out. He knocks off. Is a... that Don Kafka's character is doing this shit? <laughs> no, I think he's too old. I think I think Stephen oh. Shellen is the guy. Oh, I, yeah. well, I was I'm imagining him doing this sleazy shit, yeah. like buying them. I'm like, oh, this guy, this is gold. But dude, I mean. Like it was just in the the list of sale movies, but it was yeah. like the cover sleazy because it's like a hooker laying on the bed, and you just see like her legs and like high heels and garters. It stuff. sounds fun. Like yeah. everything else you've been naming, I'm like nah. And yeah. then Cabin Boy, I'm like, what the fuck? But this, this sounds good. Well, check this out. This is the plot description on the website. He knocks a hole in the wall of his hotel room <laughs> <laughs> and begins taping the intimate moments in the adjoining room. But yeah, but his re- real sleazy. His re- <laughs> and dude, it's from 1987 as well, so you know it's yeah. gonna, you know his. But his passionate research does not stop there. Soon, the entire motel was under his watchful eye. His re- <laughs> so he's got cameras in every fucking yes. room. Yes. Oh. His research yields some very interesting and steamy findings. Findings about love, his college professor, uh. Uh, the girl of his dreams. Talking Walls is a high tech, high octane drama. Where temperatures rise, sparks fly, and where morality is thrown out the window. <laughs> that plot synopsis makes that movie—it's a yeah. sleazy plot, but it's trying to make it sound classy. Yeah, yeah, but oh. it sounds like it's going to be awesome. And then, so is that tonight's watch? Then you throw on. Well, on? I don't have it yet, but when I get it, oh. like, I, like oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to lie. That's going to be the first one out of this <laughs> list of whatever twenty oh, movies. Yeah. So last but not least, I always like passed on this i'm like like even just renting it for 99 cents on vhs i always passed on it i don't know why i think for some reason my dad went to see it by himself i don't know like what happened but the movie firebirds with nicholas cage and i think tommy lee jones it's like a top gun ripoff except they're training in like military helicopters so instead of like uh, jet fighters it's it's, yeah, it's like apache helicopters and shit and i forget what girl's in it but some girls in it is a love interest but like i've always seen that movie and i've even seen it on the blu-ray sale but i'm like this motherfucker because it always happens with the five six dollar kino movies like they have them for cheap forever just trying to clear them out and then like when they're finally out of print and you can't buy them anymore the fuckers are wanting 70 80 dollars on ebay you know what i mean yeah i saw a kino i think it's out of print blu-ray it was one of their earlier ones at uh, goodwill but i i didn't know what the fuck it wasn't anything i seemed to be into but i should have grabbed it because it probably was like 70 80 dollars dude dude um do me a favor if if you ever find it and i'll pay you like good money for it if you find something for cheap see if you can find the 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 kino blu-ray of a movie called modern girls like is I, this the one you told me that you yeah, missed out on? I missed. I, I didn't even know it existed. And I saw it on MGM HD and I looked it up. I'm like, oh, it's got a Kino Blu-ray, and it's like I don't know how long it's been out of print, but like I've seen it go for as much as 140 on eBay. Jeez. I was tr- there was some dude trying to get like 70. Like I was trying to lowball him down. Like I was willing to go 40 shipped, but the low, yeah. the lowest he would go was like I think like 58 shipped, and I was like, ugh. Because it's an MGM movie, and MGM has deals with everybody. I'm like, it's only a matter of time before somebody else re-releases this. 
But um, like uh, vinegar syndrome. Yeah. I don't know. They're getting. They're getting. I, I wouldn't. I didn't expect Roadhouse. So. Yeah, I didn't either. And 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 that movie is like it's a fun movie. It's just like a goofy comedy, but it's got like Clayton Roner in it, Virginia Madsen. Like it's got oh, like wow. yeah, it's got memorable people in it. So like I don't understand why nobody else wants to put it out. But it's like always been rare because I think MGM did a DVD themselves. But it was one of those like archive burnt ones. It wasn't even like a real DVD release, and even that goes for like twenty something bucks. But if, if you ever find that, come across that movie for like you know whatever you pick it up for five ten bucks, I'll do you forty plus five dollars shipping. I'll do. It you. was just it, when I went to the Goodwill. They don't the one Goodwill here in town. Like there's other ones in other nearby towns, but they never really have that much media, and I was just kind of surprised. But uh, it didn't look like anything good, and. I think that one wants like five dollars for the for the Blu-rays, so yeah. I didn't grab it. But I was like, "Wow, they had a Kino release in there," and I I almost yeah. did, but it wasn't that. It wasn't that one. Yeah, it just sucks. But yeah, we we've done an hour of bonus. We already did it. Yeah, two, you got all kinds of material yeah. now to work with. Jeez. Yeah, I'm like, should I just release it as a separate episode? Like, no, I'll just I'll just give the fans a three hour uh, episode. <sighs> We'll kick it EC style. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's yeah. it. Obviously, the No Man's Land talk uh, ended a long time ago. But, yeah, man, No Man's Land, heavy hitter. You got to get on it. It airs actually a lot on TV if anybody has, like, cable TV or anything. So keep an eye out on your DVR or whatever. Yeah, it's definitely uh, – It's I, I'm, I remember bringing it up to you and you saying, oh, I love that movie. And I'm like, wow, yeah. I never talked to anybody that liked it. So And I just remember seeing it back – well, I was a kid in like 95, 96, and like yeah. I said, I caught it. Part of the, I'd say it was like when they first go out and they're like, I think it's when they're, when they first start stealing the first Porsche or When whatever. he has the big ring of keys and shit. Yeah, yeah, I think that's when I was like, this is really interesting, and I'm like, wow, this is great. So, I don't, I don't know, I mean, you know. If you like deep cover, you'll love this. I think. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Deep cover is awesome, and I actually wouldn't yeah. mind covering that too. But like, yeah, No yeah. Man's Land is even better. I think. Do you think it's better? I, I'm gonna have to go with. I really like No Man's Land, and it's probably it's probably it's got to be. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not my favorite. It's one of my favorite Charlie Sheen movies, but yeah. I like Deep Cover a lot, man. Deep really Cover do. is good. I love Deep Cover yeah. when it came out. Um, but Deep Cover doesn't have a bunch of Porsches, but. Porsche Porsche goes a long way. Yeah, they're not they're not really they're it's it's a whole other different plot. It's not a it's not deep a cover movie. like where he's in the ghetto and shit slanging rock. It's yeah. like it's like Death Wish three apocalyptic ghetto yeah. bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the one girl in the fucking uh, the building he lives in is like trying to sell him uh, her kid and stuff. I was like, yeah, yeah this is great. So. So yeah, so I mean, we're going to wrap it up here, but yeah. um, obviously this was a lot of fun. We we did a lot of unrecorded material as well. We could have done a whole separate episode unrecorded material. Um, I I know you're always uh, on a time crutch, Bat, because uh, Bat Bat's got a lot going on in terms of uh, you know side projects and things he does. Uh, you don't really do a regular podcast anymore, but you you're yeah. always working well, on something creatively. Yeah, I w- I was hoping to. revive uh for the third time ec at some point but it's just been so busy so it was cool having i've been just kind of guest spotting lately i did the the mvp uh we did the cronenberg retrospective Mm -hmm. 
and now you've been finally I've been like, hey, what are you gonna invite me on your show? So uh, I'll be on, I'll be honest. I never thought like you're, and this is just my dumb mistake. I just never thought you were really because for a long time you really weren't doing any podcasting. I just didn't think you would be into doing a show like this. You know what I mean? No, I you know my whole thing with podcasts is I just got burned out with uh, editing, and I just got tired of orchestrating them. I always enjoyed guest spotting and doing stuff you know joining in on other people's shows and your uh podcast here is kind of a it's it's you but you never have a set well you did for a while but you you don't really have a set co-host anymore so you just uh i know zach's been running what past year year plus yeah yeah i mean he's he's probably he's probably the more current like or the more regular but this show is always meant um, with the exception of me, because I mean, I'm the one who edits it and puts it out and all that kind of thing. Yeah. It was always meant to be. It was originally um, kind of envisioned as a three man show. Yeah. Um, and we just never got the third man. And then, like, but even if you look back, like even early on, like I want to say episode eight, like we, I, I, I did it with the first guest host. So I mean, it's it's so it just you know it just always has been a rotating thing. Well, You've done uh, shows with uh, with Bird and uh, Trev. Yeah, and like in the history yeah. in the history of the show, I've done with Corey G, yep. Trev, Bird, Bird and Trev, um, Bird and his co-host with the Kaiju Transmissions, Matt, who's like a super cool guy. Also, yeah, I think I listened to one of those episodes, and yeah. you guys did. I don't remember who you did it with. We were doing Friday the Thirteenth stuff right yeah i think of all the all the friday 13ths have been done with trev um yeah because that's his favorite and i've listened to a few of, yeah i've listened yeah. to a few of those so and i'm trev and bird were on ec weren't they or maybe I it was on the podcast or, or, well, we used to do those did. like podcast jams on hubbly dvd jelly jumped yeah. on he used to do podcasts a lot hey he's yeah. at, he's back doing podcasts but he does like some dragon ball z shit which I know nothing. I know Dragon Ball Z super popular, but I just got to be honest. Yeah. Like I'm too old. I I I didn't grow up with it. I don't know anything about it at all. Um, I don't know anything about it really. I've, I remember. And then Zach on, yeah. did did one about a year ago with Zach and Aaron. Oh, we did one with Zach and Mac. That was fun. We did Biodome. Oh, cool. So yeah, yeah. We're, like with you coming on, we're probably getting in like around the dozen. Oh, and also my fiance. Can't forget my fiance. We've done a lot of episodes Boo. together. Boo. You, I, I heard about these. But I, I haven't. <laughs> I need to go back and look at the Boo. Yeah. Check out the Boo episodes. Jeez. It's mostly course, me talking, but yeah, we do episodes. If, of course, uh, you and Zach doing the uh, Josie and the Pussycats uh, yeah. caused the studios to it release. Did. We, we got the Blu-ray release. Yeah. yeah. Wow! Like I think it was a breaking news. Like like the day after we recorded it, they were like, "Fuck it, we're giving in. It's coming out on Blu-ray." Yeah. We need to start talking about uh the you know day the clown cried uh fucking. It will finally come we'll get... out. Yeah, it'll finally come out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, we'll talk about hey, you know what we need. Uh, we need the Ilsa box set. Oh, uh, Ilsa box Blu-ray. set. Yeah. yeah, we'll do the VHS yeah. review, and then that will make the 4K come out. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're on DVDs. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. But yeah, man. I, I, uh, maybe if you're doing something, or I don't know if you have back episodes, I'd be down to cover something for uh, the October season. I'm sure Streamers oh, yeah. probably wants to get something going too. And yeah. 
put something out. We so. we tried it because it's always backfired on me. Anytime I've done a holiday themed one, like horror kind of does good any time of the year, but horror actually does the worst download number wise in October. I think because everybody, and then anytime I try to do a Christmas or a New Year's Eve fil- theme film film during December, it just the numbers have tanked. So well, like, I. I'll tell you, with the Halloween thing, you don't want to release the show on Halloween. Like you right. want to release it a few days before because people are always—they're not gonna—they're not gonna bother. Got festivities, parties, and stuff they're doing. So, like a week before would be good. But I, I'm a sucker, though. Like th- this is how much of a nerd I am for my podcast. Like, there's been some times where I just released shit on certain days because i had to get it out or it got delayed but like if you look back it's very like we do very day specific we've done april fools things where we release old joke episodes we've done i think all of our friday 13th episodes were released on a friday the 13th um did new year's eve or i'm sorry did christmas evil on new year's or i'm sorry but i'm getting confused christmas evil on christmas eve new year's evil on new year's eve like that just makes it fun for me because like here's the thing with our show like we do have good loyal listeners we have a few hundred loyal listeners and i appreciate you guys a lot and you guys reach out sometimes on youtube or whatever but like our show is like just it is literally a retro show so like some of our biggest whatever episodes now are ones that came out six seven months ago a year ago and like like a lot of our shows come out and they they do okay at first and then over time they pick up steam they pick up steam like it's just it's our show's really weird like that but i appreciate it because it's like i would hate to do one of those podcasts bat where you talk about current events and the show's only interesting to people that week you know what i mean right yeah i don't think that works and i try to that's why with ec i always try to cover films that were not modern or nothing new or whatever because it's like oh yeah like oh what are we going to cover the new a24 which I'm not opposed. I love yeah. A24 stuff, but you know, I get I get what you're saying. It yeah. dates it, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's problematic. But yeah, but I mean, it's just it's just so much fun. I mean, this is kind of de facto because um, I didn't mention it on the last episode. This is kind of our de facto seven year celebration. So I mean, and I and I've been podcasting with you, Bat, a lot longer than seven years. So it's kind of nice yeah, to do a full. You circle. were doing. Uh... Yeah, you were doing uh, Hillbilly DVD reviews even yeah. even before that. So, yeah. yeah, you've been doing stuff for a minute. I'm glad to see you're doing those shorties uh, yeah. and kind of getting back into it. I, I always liked your um, YouTube, and uh, I think that, dude, I mean, like, now it's just so heavy, you know. I just yeah. was like, I think I said it to you before. I'm like, why aren't you doing this now? This is I know. This is where it's at now. You know, you were ahead of the game. I was ahead of the game. And then, like, yeah, like, I did a few hundred videos. Because there's literally hundreds of videos that I did. And it was, it's like, it kind of just became old to me. And, like, I don't know, like, the one thing. And I've had to take breaks because of life things that happen or whatever. So there's, like, in the last seven years, I know there's two big chunks where, um, you know, uh, the uh, the the movie graveyard like we had to go on like six month hiatuses and shit. Uh, like the last one was like I had to take a couple months off because I moved and then like I had an old desk that was falling apart, so I got a new desk 
and then the desk came and it was missing the screws so i had to find the right screws that took months ordering all this hardware trying shit out trying to find the right screws to fit this desk and then i was sick for months and it was just like it it, it sucked you know but uh like i was honestly like i was going to jump back into youtube um with a new channel this year and like I just I just want to get this podcast going again full time honestly yeah. cuz cuz this is this is actually more fun for me to do than being on camera and acting like a jerk off, you know what I mean? I mean not that I don't act right. like a jerk off on here, like the listeners know, like when me and when Zach's here all we talk about is cum. But mm-hmm. like dude, That's I, I like I'm just it. a grown ass man, like n- like nobody's really dying. Like nobody was really dying to see me when I was like 27 years old on YouTube when it first started. So nobody's really dying to see me on, on camera now, you know what I mean? Like if I, I think if I do come back, I'm going to start a new channel and it's going to be the same shit movie talk but i'm going to take it to like a bizarre nicholas cage level if that makes any sense you should do, I, I always wanted to do if i ever did a youtube thing i want to do like a horror movie type host type yeah. get, come like a, a character, character yeah. Or something. yeah like it's like whatever it's like oh you're sitting at your fucking with your toys and your oh, yeah that's so and lame. stuff in the background like i don't dude whatever like i don't give a fuck what you can afford. oh you got all this money to buy all this shit like, yeah and like but, and like don't know. get me wrong like i'm the sucker who buys funko pops i probably own like 20 yeah. of them but like i realize how lame it is to line them all up in the background and sit in front of them you know what i mean well i mean i would like to i think the, the horror movie host thing or like the character's cool yeah and you got some movie posters in the back that you rotate out and stuff but yeah. like you need to create an atmosphere like make a fucking fake castle backdrop yeah. like and stuff like you know and let's have like a cauldron with fucking uh dry ice and shit with yeah. you know yeah like stuff like that or whatever but i don't know i don't have time to come up with that shit i'm getting too Same too old for that bullshit though so yeah like i would have to reinvent it in a way where it would almost be like borderline filmmaking then it would be talking shit in front of a stupid web camera you know what i mean right but yeah. but but yeah, I still do feel the need to kind of like pop on and talk about like normal everyday shit, like that's like happening now. But um, I don't know boutique boutique tomfoolery. Yeah yeah boutique tomfoolery remakes that. talk yeah. whatever yeah. But it, but it, but it, either either way, just to wrap up, obviously thank you, bad. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, thanks for having me on. Jeez. It, it was it was all it was more pleasure than it was business. <laughs> Yeah, well, we, I mean, I it was, I just had gotten off work. I'm having a couple of drinking a, a an IPA here and hanging yeah. out. And I've got the wraith on. I've had the wraith on now since we started this little bullshit talk. So yeah. just kind of watching that in the background since we, you know, I said that it'd make a great double feature after No Man's Land. So here it is. It would. <laughs> it would. Yeah. Like we pretty much, but, you know. Yeah, well, consider it. I'd be down with some kind of Halloween. I don't know. Pick up, pick something obscure. Pick some whatever. I don't know. Wild card. I'd be down with something fun like that. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think there's a because like the way I kind of do it with the host or the co-host, like like I like I like there's a lot of like every once in a while I'll be like you know I'll let Zach pick the movies for a while and then I'll be like Zach, like what about this? And I'll have him do me a favor. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but like, let's get. We should get Zach on too. Yeah. Though. 
so we can he, throw some um, com- we gotta have common there yeah i mean he he would have been for this but um he he was uh thinking I, and i don't know because i haven't been online when we're recording this but he was thinking he was going to have to do a live stream with his with his revival house guys but uh, oh okay but we, we, Does i did he like this film he's never seen it and he couldn't get oh, a copy okay. and i was like well but i, I know well, i know he should have hit up that and that could have helped him that's what i thought <laughs> but but like he was yeah. having problems with the schedule anyway so i didn't really yeah because there was another episode too that me and him are going to do but kind of got rescheduled because because like one thing I love about Zach, um, he'll 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 literally like like a hundred times out of a hundred he'll move everything in his schedule just to fit you in. But like his schedule yeah. finally got kind of which like he's working, he's back to school, he's doing everything right now. So I oh, he's I understand. Going to school? Yeah, he's doing some. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know he's getting some. It's basically like computer specialty. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's it. So thank you, Bat. Thank you, yeah. everybody, for seven years of the movie Graveyard. Like, I don't know which will come first, Bat. Um, I we would probably have to crank up the uh, the drive and overtime to hit it before. But like, my minimum goal, and I've never said this publicly, but since seven years is a lucky thing, I'm going to say this almost as a wish out loud. My goal with this podcast is to get it to either ten years or two hundred and fifty episodes, whichever come first. So that's a good number because uh, I don't even think EC ever hit. 100 i don't yeah. i think we're at close to 80 or something but you know when you think about ec and you're like okay 80 of the mammoth shows yeah. you do it's like you did 80 ecs is like is like 200 of yeah, <laughs> yeah. so right but i Especially mean that last episode so yeah. i mean we're i think it, it, i could be wrong but i think this might be this episode no man's land might be 132 so we wow. got, we got a lot, dude. Congrats, jeez, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and again, you know, I fell off the wagon a couple times over the years, but I was uh, I was happy to always pick it up and, and really find new co-hosts throughout the years to try and get you know. And you never know how because you've been through this too, bad with long running shows. You never know how uh, listeners uh, will uh, react to new hosts or whatever, and like you know. You, just... I never really cared about that as long as I had someone to bounce off shit with and like whatever. And I remember when Dale Dale had discovered you, but you'd already yeah. you, you've said you you'd already heard our podcast and stuff. Yeah, I already knew you guys. And he he hipped me to you, and I was like, yeah. He's like, I was like, we should get this guy to. What do you think? You think this guy like let's get this guy to join the show? He's like, he's exactly. I don't know. We weren't looking for anybody, but you were yeah. like fit the mold, and they were like. Yeah, it's just it just so happens he's like I'd love to join your show, but it just so happens that I'm trying to kick off my own podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I was more successful in joining EC than I was launching my own show. To be honest with you, yeah, you should just join the EC yeah. altogether. But no, this this podcast here is fucking cool, man. Like, uh, I love it, it, it. It definitely works, and I think you found something that's. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I haven't listened to enough, but I don't know if it's on the level of like your YouTube podcast videos. I don't even know if that's called a podcast because like nothing beats fucking watching you guys stand out in the garage drinking beer, reading fucking Laserdisc fucking, uh, you know, uh, facts of Laserdisc and stuff. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was just the circumstance of life events tore us apart, but, uh, we would have kept going if we were in the same area the same city but when when you live nine hours away from your co-host and like 
it just became too much for me to to do the videos by myself after a while it wasn't fun anymore yeah you need someone to bounce stuff off i mean it was fun but it was like it was fun on like a level of like four out of ten where the garage days were like 10 out of 10 you know what i mean yeah i love those videos but but I love this, and I don't know. Well, not that anybody really has a frame of reference, but you you know this. But like Hillbilly DVD reviews the podcast in relation to the YouTube channel. The podcast was supposed to originally be all um, commentaries, the way this show pretty much is. Oh really? So okay. yeah, that that was my. I was like, I'm just gonna start a podcast, and I was originally, and, I, and I've never had the balls to do this. And I know you did it with the first episode over to EC. But I was originally going to do the commentaries by myself, and it just it like I came to the realization is I can't talk nonstop. I can do like eighty yeah. percent of the time, like, but I just you know it's like I run out of breath. I need to take a sip of yeah. water. I can't. I can't yeah, fill the time have, by myself. Got to go to the bathroom and stuff yeah. or whatever. Sneak yeah. off. Yeah, I could never do it. No, that whole episode was just out of like uh, necessity because I couldn't really. And and not only that, I was trying to entice J Dog because I'd been bugging yeah. him. And he was like, well, I'm going to go on holiday. Yeah. And it was like around Christmas or it was getting close to something. I don't know. He was going in and he was like, and I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to, I just want to do it. And I was like, I'll find a co-host. And then he heard it and he was like, yeah, wow, you can edit. And I'm like, yeah, why did, what do you, I told you I have everything. Let's do this. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I want to join up. And then, you know, the rest is pretty, pretty much you hit audition to get a co-host. What you say? I liked it. I like like because I I know you were kind of in and out, and after a while, like me and Dale would you know do a couple episodes by ourselves, and then you would come back, and you're just too busy with sleaze fiend or whatever was going on. But like I I I was kind of hoping that even if it was just for like a forty minute thing, I was kind of hoping at some point you would just come back and drop another solo episode because I I really enjoyed honestly, and I understand like it was your first kind of time doing it, it was weird and awkward. But I yeah. like I always liked that episode. I thought it was unique, personally. But. Yeah, I heard I heard other people say that too as well. I don't know. It's just I did some stuff. I I remember. I think I had to do like an intro. Yeah, you did solo uh, maybe once or twice or something like that because we just didn't. I don't know what happened. Maybe we lost something or or we didn't have time or something or it was something for you guys. Maybe some kind of solo yeah. thing or whatever. And so I felt comfortable doing that for like 10 or 15 minutes, 20 minutes tops. But yeah, no, I, no, it's just really difficult to try to do something. And it was like, what, that episode was only an hour or something. So maybe we'll do that for the, uh, the April fools episodes each year. Now, like I'll just sit down, um, like, a like a, like a 16 pack of beer and try to make it through a movie by myself. <laughs> I do a commentary. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. recently we did Matilda and, and uh, Zach, his internet crashed, or actually his whole computer crashed. And I had a, yeah. I was trying to carry it for like two minutes, waiting for him to get back. And it got so bad, I was just like doing like shitty rapping and trying to make words rhyme. And just like <laughs> it, it evolved so quick. Like it was terrible. But no, but we're, we're going on uh, three and a half hours now back. <laughs> I you were gotta get that pizza, dude. I gotta get that pizza. Yeah, but um. Well, thanks again for having me on. No, thank and, uh, you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I look forward to because because I don't think future. I could have ever found anybody, and I mean literally anybody, to cover No Man's Land who like actually like 
Like, I, I mean, maybe I could have forced Zach to see it, but it just would have been some weird movie he would have been going into cold. So I appreciate I, that that I was able to find you, that somebody had a history with the film, you know? So. Yeah, I don't know anybody else. And then when you said it, I was like, wow, well, I haven't watched this in a while, so uh, this should be fun and everything. And I know we were talking about, I don't know, you're into some other stuff, like, um, not to say that this is going to be maybe down the road, but I know you're into Buffalo 66, too. Oh, huge, yeah. I got a buddy that we we originally discovered it back in whatever, when it came out, 98 or whatever, wasn't mm-hmm. it? 90, yeah. 99. 98 or 99. And we had both seen it and rented it at the video store and, and liked it, but he's a lot older. He's probably around your age, actually, and uh, so he's the only one I own other than dude I know. dude i went to see buffalo 66 in an art house theater by myself a lot of people hate that film too because oh, they how think could that it's you? like vincent gal is just like blowing his load on the screen i'm like are you kidding me no. the fucking line i'll take a bite out of your cheek and shit you out like i mean fucking a dude dude, like, dude like... the the whole movie where he's like talking to himself and shit and he's like i'm gonna fucking kill scott norwood i'm gonna kill scott norwood <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, it's great, and I don't ever hear anybody, and it's surprising with Christina Ricci and right. And uh, she's awesome in it too. It? Mickey Rourke, Jan Mickey Michael Rourke Vincent, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kevin Corrigan. It's it's fucking all star cast, dude. Dude, yeah. when, when he tries a carjacker, and he's like, "Okay, you drive," and she's like, "Huh?" He, yeah, he, he, he doesn't know how to drive. He drives, he's like, "He's like, okay, like I'm better than that. Like I drive cars that shift themselves. Okay, right. I don't, I don't like do Cadillac. this." Yeah. <laughs> No, but that, like, opening montage when he gets out oh, of prison yeah. and it has, like, all those little film, like, that was around when I really had the film aspirations yeah, real heavy. Too. And I was like, how'd they do that with all the other little clips and, and yeah. superimpose, like, I hadn't edited before and they superimposed them onto the screen and, like, Dude, uh, the, the, the ending with the, the Yes song where it's rampant, like, ding, yeah. ding, 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 and oh, like, yeah. it's like, Dude, and he shot it on, again, this is a four-hour episode now, but he shot it on that weird reversal film stock that they shot NFL films on in, like, the 60s and 70s. And when Makes sense with the football tie yeah, like with the batting. Yeah, exactly, which is just genius. But, like, when they were filming it, they didn't even know if it was working, like, the film stock. They didn't even know if they were actually getting anything. That's yeah. how crazy it is, but I love it. But, yeah, bad. thanks thanks again. And, obviously, anybody, I, I hope we do rope in some no man's land diehards here because it's it's a great film means a lot to me and uh, i'm just i'm so like it literally is one of the bucket list films for this podcast that like i just wanted to do so bad at some point in time but yeah as always thank you bat listeners thank you for seven awesome years i know a lot of different people have come and gone but i know some of you guys have been listening for years too and i appreciate all your nice comments and i try to anytime youtube lets me know when there's a comment like that you guys leave i always try to respond sometimes they don't let me know when it is so i might miss one but uh again thank you for seven years and we'll catch you back right here again next time in the movie graveyard what about this one not too shabby huh nah italian trash Besides, I only steal Porsches.